Now we're gonna have wet, smacky mouth sounds. Wait, I shouldn't Wonderful. say that to you. <laughs> Kiss me. Um, I don't. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to podcast of the nerds. My name is Jack. I'm Ian. And today on the pod, today on the podcast. We're going to be having a chat with you about uh, what we've been watching. Uh, listener mail. I got an email um, asking how to start a review channel, which um, I'll talk to you about in a minute. And uh, our approach to fashion, yeah, we're, how we're, we make ourselves look, look all pretty and handsome. We're both very um, fashionable gentlemen. You're especially handsome. And I thought uh, we could Thanks, offer some man. beauty tips to... Yeah, um, no, it's that's how not I, at all. How I do all of this? <laughs> <laughs> that's not at all what that spot's going to be. Uh, and finally, uh, yeah, and of course we shall be ending with a chapter from the fanfic reading. Uh, Here is gone by Terry Boda. So, Ian, how are you, man? Jack, it's been a long week. Yeah, uh, tell me all about it, buddy. What's going uh, on? <laughs> uh, this writing process of mine doesn't work <laughs> okay <laughs> six love. years later and you finally yeah, figured it out yeah, huh? i think it's taken about <laughs> 200 or so videos for me to realize that uh maybe i should start experimenting with other ways to be so and and, and okay. it's no surprise that god i'm like that annoying uh, kid in high school who's just like I got a girl me and my girlfriend Kirk oh I'm watching uh, Gilmore Girls and Kirk gets a girlfriend on Gilmore Girls Kirk is played by James Gunn's brother uh, mm-hmm. who was in She he was the guy who ran the bathhouse in She the episode uh, that's oh, that's James yeah. Gunn's brother who directed the Guardian of Guardians of the Galaxy movies oh but anyway okay. uh, he's in Gilmore Girls and he plays a town a lovable town weirdo that has a job uh, uh, everywhere. <laughs> okay. the, the running joke is like they go to, you know, the the coffee shop, and he's the one giving out the coffees and and whatever. Like Kirk works at, uh, everywhere, but he's also like you know he's kind of a strange guy, but very lovable. But anyway, he gets a girlfriend in one of the seasons, and just is like everybody. My girlfriend and I are sitting in the front row. <laughs> My girlfriend and I, and I feel like that's kind of been the me on this damn podcast the past two or three can, times. Can I just say when I date date someone, I'm kind of the same because it's it's a good feeling, yeah, isn't oh, yeah, it? Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're, it's just uh, the, someone loves me and I love them yeah. and it's wonderful. And, and the uh, the nature of this podcast is you and I are buds and like yeah. it's all about life. We, and... we share our feelings. We are we are healthy men. <laughs> So anyway, my girlfriend and I... No, I'm just kidding. But the... Uh, <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, what, this whole, like... The writing process, for me, such as it is, this bloodletting, is so poisonous where I sort of decay into... And it, it's specific, I guess, to the full-time... Since I started doing this full-time. Where, like... Right. That negative self-talk, that, like... 
uh, I, I don't have anything to say. Uh, this is terrible. I'm I'm going to ruin the channel. I should just burn the channel down and go back to working in a cubicle. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Which accelerates over the course of... I mean, you were like you remember when I called you after I, the the month I quit my job, and I mm -hmm. was like, J "Jack, this is what the hell did I just do? What did I what did I do? What did I do to my life? Something's and, broken." And you do recall that we have had that same conversation at least a dozen oh, times yeah. since, yeah, right? Every script, every script, like there's, every script, every you're like, script, "No, this sucks. I'm terrible. I can't do it. I'm going back to the office." Drawing blood every time and like some of them go easier than other ones but most of the time especially with episodes like fool for love you know the fact that there's a pandemic on and everyone is anxious and nervous and uncomfortable mm. and people are losing their jobs and you know like all of this it, it, there's so much anxiety and stress like i'm yeah, a high dude. anxiety neurotic person anyway but then when it comes Amen to that. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to writing and when it comes to this process and then it comes to now and the you know, the nature of the way things are, it's it's way too high. It's way too high. Mm -hmm. And I'm like and Fool for Love is a specific episode where it's like one of the five best episodes in the series by a oh, long it's incredible. shot. Yeah, and um, and like there was a there was a very sweet post started in the Facebook group about how excited everyone was for oh, yeah. the post and how that. they haven't been like how they 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 can't wait to hear what i have to say and they're so excited yeah. and did i tell you i may have mentioned this on the last podcast nigel my roommate saw that post and he's in the facebook group and he told me he's like yeah i just started laughing because i pictured you reading <laughs> that and and like tearing your hair out and being like but i don't have anything to say <laughs> Anyway, um, if if it's the same uh, post we're talking about, because um, I saw something like that that too, and I was, I I talked I talked you up a lot in that thread because, <laughs> dude, you're gonna knock it out of the park because you always do. Like, come on, let's be honest. <laughs> so the stress levels like way high, um, mm -hmm. and they, they yeah. are for this. The last time I felt I put this much, like I felt like this is one of the most significant episodes of the show to talk about is hush and right. i've hated the hush video ever since i i i i gave myself massive anxiety over that one and then was deeply unsatisfied with the way the video turned out if someone asked me what videos are you most disappointed in hush mm -hmm. is probably one of them okay. um and so like i keep thinking that but anyway you factor all of that in, and this is my full-time job, is, mm -hmm. you know, doing this podcast and writing and recording and editing and doing Patreon and stuff like that, which is a gift. It's a marvel. I'm not complaining about sure. Sure, of course that. But um, you factor in that, like, level of stress and anxiety and all of that, and I'm, with the person I'm dating, I, like, I feel like I've been intolerable for the past week or two where where you know she's so sweet and kind and patient and she's just like so how was your day and i'm like, it's crap i'm terrible i have nothing to say and i just keep thinking like this this does not work you kind of say all the same stuff to me, and I'm not the one you were you were dating to be clear well no ian and i are not dating we've been doing well now you tell me. But anyway, um, 
just for the sake of the sanity of the people around me, and like, and it's a different level of invested in your day and listening to you and right. so forth. I'm like, I, yeah, this I've got to, I've got to figure out something here. I've got to break through. The majority on this. of the people who love you and care about you want to know how your day was, even if it sucked. <laughs> and can I also just say that harsh look. Hush is a great episode, but Hush to me is a fun novelty. It's it's not very um, representative of what the show is all about. And so, I mean, yes, it was a big, big one and everybody was, was looking forward to it, blah, 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 blah. But it's... There's better episodes, you know? So yeah. don't beat yourself up about Hush. No, like, I'm on. not. I'm not. I'm just like... The, I had a weird... I don't know if it's a breakthrough yet because you can't tell if if these things are breakthroughs until, uh, you know the it mm. bears results one way or another. Yeah. But I I I was thinking about it. I'm just like you know, I'm not curing cancer here. Like this <laughs> is not. I'm not. Like this is this is the level of self-flagellation and. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of uh, anxiety and neuroses and all of that that I plug into this, I'm not sure is justified by well anything really, but the, let alone the 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 nature of of the work. Like I'm not sure that my uh, hating on myself is warranted by what I'm doing. But I don't know. Like, this is this journey it's, is incredibly independent and isolating, I mean, you know? Self-hatred is never really warranted, I don't think. But no. um, I know com- coming from me, that's very hip- hypocritical. <laughs> but shush, we're not talk- talking about me, okay? Yeah. Um, but I... Sorry, I lost the thought. No, Sorry. no, no, no. no. I, I said I'm not curing cancer. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You're... You're downplaying what you do a bit, though, because, like, no, you're not curing cancer, but it's a big deal. Like, you know, you've um, you've uh, you you've you've amassed a fan base who are very passionate about your work. Pardon the uh, pun, right? Well, wow. and um, it's full for love. It's one of the best it episodes is. in the season. I um, mean, the series. And so, like, I understand the uh, pressure, but no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Uh, collapse into a pile of self-loathing and no. fla- flagellation because that's not going to help. No, but, but it's just Ian writing a script at this uh, point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the that's the other frustrating part about it is like every once in a while the process gets validated because I come up with a video that I'm like, oh, that one was pretty good. You know, uh, did I need pretty to good. do the did I need to do it the way that I did it in order to find the things that I had to say? I don't know. You know, maybe in some fucked up way, that's part of the uh, process. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you have to go through that to find the the gold. I I don't know. Well, uh, this will be a recurring. Th- I think this is a recurring theme in today's episode. But like, you know, I probably should have been. I love what I do. I think I get I I get tremendous freedom, and like I I would be anxious in any position. Uh, I have been anxious in jobs and positions and, yeah. 
and yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I remember at your uh, last, last job, you would tell me about um, a lot of your concerns and everything, and it was all the same same stuff. Really, you would yeah. worry about um, not performing well enough, which is exactly what this is. Yeah, and and so when I express that like childish inner voice of like, man, I want to do maybe I should do something else. It's like <laughs> I'm just I'm just expressing the inner that inner voice that I'm dealing with on a regular basis. Which is, you know, uh, which I don't actually mean, but, um, you know, the, uh, some of this is stuff that I've uh, needed to address for a long time and and should have been addressing for the sake of my own health and sanity, you know. Mm. And I do wonder how much of this has been exacerbated by quitting drinking now that I've been sober for right. four months. Like, I know why I drank. I drank mm-hmm. because I struggle to unwind. I struggle to... I'm like a tensed muscle all the time. And occasionally yeah. that muscle turns spasmatic. And so, right. like, I've been struggling... Uh, I, I used to drink to just turn the noise down in my head, yeah. to relax, to unwind. Because I struggle to know how to do that normally. You mm-hmm. know? Um, uh, so that plays a factor into all of this. But, like... You know, figuring out how to do that properly and to just write and to say things that I mean and make me happy and that give me emotions and are passionate expressions of things that I actually Mm -hmm. feel and all of that, like, Mm. without all of the sturm and drang and self-torture and all of that, like, that's all stuff that I probably should have been figuring out what to, like, how to do anyway, right? Mm-hmm. However, yeah. doing the right thing for the wrong reasons still feels like doing the right thing to me. <laughs> right. Do you know what I right. mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I feel like that's going to be a recurring theme in a couple of the the spots uh, in the podcast today. Mm-hmm. Is all I'm right. saying. Right. But anyway, buddy, that's I... me ranting about my week. How has your week been? Um. Yeah, it's been okay. Um. The, the, um, I've been under a lot of, uh, stress as of late. Um, basically it's all external things going on. Um, the COVID situation, uh, in my neck of the woods has gotten considerably worse. Um, my city is now under a stage for, uh, lockdown. Um, it's just, it's getting bad and I'm feeling all the, um, all, all the feelings I talked about, I think, on the first podcast that, that we did sort of creeping uh, back. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm experiencing some COVID f- fatigue and I'm just ready for it to all be over and done with. I um, think that's a... Um, yeah, I agree. Like, I think I th- that's a, yeah. that, that is a, a sentiment that we've all been... Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing. Like, I'm... I'm whinging and bitching, but everybody's going going through it. It's not ju- just me. Um, well, still, the I apologize, everyone. I was messing with my mic settings for a little bit because I was think I was getting an <laughs> echo from my headphones being too loud. Um, still, though, that needs to be expressed. Like the fact that yeah, everybody's sure. going through it. Like there's some sense of solidarity and so forth. But like, yeah. you still have to feel what you feel, and you still have to express exactly. it. Exactly. Give yourself yeah. the space to go through it. 
Yeah, like I'm being I'm being kind to myself and I'm not beating myself up and saying I'm wearing home for nothing, but it's just um yeah, we had a, a second wave hit very very hard. We had like one day we we had over 400 new uh cases and then the day after it was over 500 and then 600 and um it's just it was kind of di- disheartening sort of because it seemed like the situation was was getting better. Yeah. Um, well, then we all said, then, let's go back to everything. That's exactly what what happened. It's like the government eased, eased some of the restrictions and everybody was like, yeah, let's party. And here we are. Yeah. Um, but look, it, look, look, the situation here is is not as bad as many other con- countries. I, I fully acknowledge that. Um, but by Australian standards, where I live here in Mel- Melbourne, thing, things are getting scary and weird and crazy yeah. um and yeah so i mean that's and, and you, pretty much been you're in a higher risk of- category right i think we've talked yes, about that yes. previously um, yeah yeah i've got um some uh, health health related issues just um my my kid kidneys are messed up and i have high blood blood pressure and type 2 dia- diabetes so like if 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 i were to get sick it's not like I can't say I, I would definitely die or whatever, but there's a good chance I'd get very, very sick and might not get get through it. You know, like it'd be very bad for yeah. me to get it. So, um, so yeah, like I've been I've been vigilant for months and months and months now. Um, they've uh, in the last like month or so, the government has mandated masks uh, being worn outside, but I've been wearing wearing a mask for months now uh just because i want i want to be careful and vigilant um so what would you say you do to manage your stress levels i mean teach me i'm someone who needs to learn how to unwind and learn how to let go like what is your go-to for like i need to just mellow the hell out um it depends from like from for me a lot of it is all about connection man um just um people people deal with things differently some people withdraw and some people reach out i i reach out for the for the most part and um you know if i'm if i need to uh talk i'll reach out to to you or some some other friends and whatnot um and just um and it's not even just to to talk sometimes it's just to shoot shoot the shit and just hang out and laugh at dumb things and talk about any anything you know um And that's generally it. And um, di- distractions are big, big one too, like gaming, um, like mo- movies, stuff like that. Um, yeah, this is uh, recently we've kind of been the distraction podcast, which I have zero problems with. Um, originally, <laughs> yeah. the year started for me, um, you know, sort of listing my New Year's resolutions and saying like, okay, well, let's try and accomplish them. And then this was the sort of report back in. But ever mm-hmm. since then, I've kind of been like, okay, maybe we could give ourselves a break and just, uh, yeah. uh, you know, you bring a particular kind of joy into my life. And so bringing you on, it's like, Thanks, yeah, man. we can share that with other people. Yeah. And uh, exactly. even if we, if we talk about nothing, we talk about nothing. It's all good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just uh, but, um, let's, let's be people's distractions. But yeah, it, it, it's mostly, for me, in, in general, it's all about connection and reaching out to people and being con- con- connected. Because it's, it's a very isolating experience, yeah. especially like, like someone like me. I live alone, and uh, so that can be very daunting at times. So yeah, I just, I, 
I spend a lot of time reaching out to people online and just, um, yeah, and I guess a part of the, um, I don't know if this, this is necessarily some, something to lessen, lessen stress, but one thing I've been doing is just reminding myself of the good things, you know, the things that make all of this worth it, like, like, like the reasons to, to get through it. Um, and like, there's some, there, there, there's some cool, cool stuff on the horizon, you know, if we, we ride this out, like you and I have been, been talking for years about me, me coming out there for a visit. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. There, it'd be there will nice. be a documentary about <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just you and I hugging yeah. in slow motion for the first time, and me sitting yeah, on your like lap, run, running through a field of daisies, <laughs> like slow mo, uh, glossy filter, those, those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I miss going to to the movies, man. Like, <laughs> I really like I I I miss being able to do like stuff like that. And, well, that's um, definitely it, it's. There's a, definitely a feeling of um, being connected to other people. That's it's access to a connection to other people just through shared experience, which is a nice thing. Yeah. Which is like yeah. sitting in a room full of other pe- uh, people, all sort of experiencing the same, a similar sort of emotional ride yeah. together Shared at the same experience. time. Yeah. 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 I get um, that. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's mostly been, been me as of late, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 All good. Just, We're all just trying to figure out our way through it. Reaching exactly, for joy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I actually, one thing then I have started, started doing. So I've always kind of, um, I've always been kind of a crappy sleeper. Like I don't sleep very, very well. But um, for the last four or five nights, I've started sleeping with um, an ambient track playing in the uh, back background most of the time. Um, I've I've been using this one on you YouTube. It's called like some something like pirate ship sleep ambient <laughs> sound something like that yeah and it's just like a sound of rain with a bit of thunder and like a creaking ship yeah no creaking wooden ship and it's so relaxing and it makes such a difference yeah it's crazy. and i think you create for yourself kind of a pavlovian response to the sound once you start building mm-hmm. that association with the sound itself yeah um yeah i definitely i used to i go through phases of I, I i being someone who doesn't unwind very easily either I, i've gone through phases of sleep issues uh which have gotten a lot better since i quit drinking um mm-hmm. yes i know well, of course <laughs> um, funnily enough mine have gotten better since i cut out sugar sugar and carbs interesting the, the diabetes yeah yeah, yeah. um but I've I used to fall asleep listening to Parks and Rec. Then it was the good place, and lately it's been just uh, my trigger word homes. I'm not going to say the trigger word because she'll start listening to me, even though she's <laughs> always listening. Um, can do white noise, can do fireplace sounds and rain nice. sounds and all of that. And so yeah, I do I I do rain every evening and just turn it way up. The other thing too is my room in this house is under the kitchen floor. Oh, okay. And the kitchen floor... Gets a lot of traffic. ...is uh, hardwoods. Mm-hmm. And there are six kids that live in this house, <laughs> three of them under five years old. Right, And they all yeah. have ball-peen hammers for feet. I, I, I don't know, like, at what age you learn to not walk on your heel. But they're not of that age yet. So... Um, <laughs> 
right around five thirty six in the morning. I think it's closer to seven. Yeah. Um, but I find that turning the rain white noise way the hell up helps me just uh get a little extra hour or two of sleep. But that's that's awesome that you've you've found that. Yeah, um, my bedtime rit- ritual is I get into uh, bed and I watch something. Uh, right, right now I've started rewatching MythBusters because it's just light, easy entertainment. I'll, I'll watch an episode or two, and when I start feeling my eyes getting a little he- heavy, I switch over to the to the ambient pirate ship sounds, and then I close <laughs> I my eyes and I, I seem to be falling asleep pretty pretty quickly. It's weird. I, I've usually <laughs> like. I've always been someone who who takes a while to get to sleep, but I it's not taking me all the, all that long now. So I that's awesome, yeah, and I hope that somewhere in that recording, every once in a while, as the rain falls and the waves lap against the side of the boat, you hear a very soft and in the distance, yar. <laughs> I really hope so too. <laughs> I haven't heard, heard one yet, but that would be amazing. Pirate ASMR, come on! I mean, <laughs> that's good stuff. It's, it's it's just a ship without that that right. It's just a ship without yeah, a well, like the ship. or like a splash from someone going off the planet yeah. every once in a while. Um, but 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 it's good. It's a it's actually like a it's, it's like a ten hour version too. So like somewhere I'll wake up at like five o'clock in the morning or something. Something I'll hear it's still still going. I'll switch it off and fall, fall back to, to yeah, sleep. Yeah, I, and... I do that every once in a while too. Another one I've done is yeah. the um, white noise from the Enterprise. So there's oh a, yeah. I've seen some like that on YouTube the too. The hum of the engine and the yeah. I see um airplane like first class passenger stuff a lot too on YouTube. There's a ton of it if anyone's yeah. in in interested. Yeah, it's Just, good stuff. Yeah, search like sleep noise, sleep background noise or something like like that. Yeah. Well, why don't we get into uh what we've been watching this week? I'm going to make a mic adjustment let's do re- it. real quick. I'm sorry everyone. I'm just going to take a sip of water cuz I'm getting a little uh dry here. And I think to myself I should really edit those out, but I'm not going to. So I mean, we're human beings, man. It's, it's <laughs> we what got we do. To do. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, like... uh, one of those things is not writing the script; it's suffering through uh, <laughs> the script. All right, right. Anyway, let's not go back to that. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, this week. Sorry. So uh, we watched a couple of movies. We are you and I are doing a. Um, we're doing our list of shame. We certainly which are. Yep. We roll at random, and then mm-hmm. uh, what are there? Two hundred and fifty movies on the list. There were some questions about how we made that list. Yeah, I think there's like two hundred and eighty odd now. Yeah, yeah. Um, we made the list. I mean, we've talked about this before, but just as a refresher, we made the list as uh, by going through some AFI American Film Institute top one hundreds. We went through every genre of the Internet Movie Database, sorted by highest mm-hmm. rated, and put yep. anything in the top 20 on the list that one or both of us had not seen. We mm-hmm. did a couple from Ebert's top uh, like great movies lists, and um, and then just personal favorites that the other one had not yeah. seen, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, and this week we, and then on Fridays we do a just personal favorites back and forth kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, where we, you know, share some of those. 
Um, this week we watched La Samurai. <sighs> <laughs> Spoiler. Sorry, proceed. <laughs> uh, La Samurai is a 1972 French film. I, um, the Actually, I, I don't think it was 72. I think uh, oh, that, 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 that info right. was wrong. Yeah. It was uh, 67 or something like, like that, I think. So, Sorry. <laughs> so I use um, Plex. Uh, which is a media file server uh, service that auto pulls information from uh, different services, uh, so forth. And it, it got the date for the samurai wrong, but I loved the summary for this movie that it pulled in and, um, <laughs> Uh, which I'm going to read to you here in a minute. But the so the samurai is uh, my summary of it is it's a movie about a hitman. It's a film noir movie about a hitman in France in the '60s who um, gets hired to do a job. Uh, well, that's even it, it's a very simple script. He he almost <laughs> gets caught uh, for a job he did. And then is caught between the police and the people who hired him who are trying to kill him. That's the extent of the script itself, really. Um, but this, the uh, I don't know where Plex pulled this summary, but I love it. In a career-defining... Wait, I wasn't trying to do a weird voice. In a career-defining <laughs> performance, Alan Delon... Sorry for the butchering the French pronunciations of all of these. Plays Jeff Costello a contract killer with samurai instincts. After carrying out a flawlessly planned hit, Jeff finds himself caught between a persistent police investigator and a ruthless employer, and not even his armor of fedora and trench coat can protect him. <laughs> an elegantly stylized masterpiece of cool by maverick director Jean-Pierre Melville. Melville. Uh, Le Samurai is a razor-sharp cocktail of 1940s American gangster cinema and 1960s French pop culture with a liberal dose of Japanese lone warrior mythology. I would love to see that <laughs> film. Because <laughs> that's not the film I saw. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So I have, I have very mixed feelings about this one. I, I would say that I liked it more... The, quite a bit more than you did. I would oh, yeah. not say that I liked it um, mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of different reasons. So, first of all, I, I, I found the the um, the etymology of all of this pretty interesting. So, uh, Le Samurai is a movie uh, clearly made by someone who watched uh, Bogart movies in the forties or. Um, you know, film noir films from that that era, and then sort of reconstituted it in uh, through a, fe- a French perspective. Um, and it's a beautiful movie. The uh, it's uh, the one thing we were all in agreement on is it's very pretty. It's beautifully very, shot. Yeah. Um, it, it's beautifully composed. I did, there's not really a single shot. I mean, the editing is is dated at this point. I would say that's the most. And I'm not talking about the fact that it has long scenes, which it has very long scenes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but his um apartment, uh, Alan's apartment, looks like a even the paint on the way the paint's applied on the walls looks like an impressionistic painting. Um, it's a it's a it's a visually stunning movie 
with no plot and no characters. The yep. um, I mean, it has a little bit of plot, but but very little by way of character. The mm-hmm. the there's no dialogue for the first 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan's just going from place to place, uh, about on his prepping for his job, and then going to his job, and then you know performing his hit, and then there's a line of dialogue. Um, I don't remember exactly when the first line. Actually, I think he's talking to his girlfriend in the movie. But it's very slow. It's a very slow burn. And I'm not opposed to Me neither. slow burns Me neither. in principle. They're like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I, I started to wonder. It, it was beautiful and I was very bored. And I started to wonder if maybe a movie like that was not watching it in the circumstances that we do was not the ideal way to view a movie like that you know probably not no yeah i think the 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 those visuals can sort of weave a slow spell over you if you dedicate your attention to them but you know um if we, when we watch something together or we watch something with friends we're sort of having a discussion as we go we're eating popcorn we're you know exactly we're doing this whole thing and so i don't i don't know that that would have happened but i feel like it might have happened uh, right. uh with the movie and and this whole list of shame exercise it's it's a it's 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 essentially like film ed- education right yeah. like um and so that's why like i don't regret watching it even even oh, though yeah. i didn't like it yeah, the only movie I've regretted was uh, the Sean Penn, um, the Pledge. The Pledge. <laughs> yeah, that movie was was yeah. agony. But it was interesting I mean, th- thinking about um, this movie being influenced by 1940s films, and I think in this movie you can see a whole lot of modern film. Oh yeah, from people who wa- clearly watched this movie. I mean, the mm-hmm. spy genre is a sub uh, is a uh, spy movies are a subgenre of film noir to me. Yep, they're very they're very related. They're very um, it's that gritty, uh, yeah. heavy contrast, even, dark light kind of thing. And I saw in this yeah, movie yeah. the Bourne films, Mission Impossible, Heat, uh, Heat felt fev- heavily influenced by this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because even um, like the the modern um, Mission Impossible films, even though they are action films, there there is this sort of undertone of film noir to them. I think. Um, yeah, there. Yeah, it's a. I don't know if it's a genre driven by cool, but it's very heavily associated with cool yeah. and power and machismo. I'd say, and, yeah. Especially like the old, the older ones. Now I think the modern ones. It's more about spectacle and explosions and well, I mean, all even, that Michael Michael Bay shit. <laughs> even Ethan Hunt is a, to me a a um, traditional broody film noir character. Mm. You know, it's more about uh, Mission Impossible Three is the exception, which to me is the best one of that series. But it's more—it's just more about brooding and, right? You know, uh, cool know. than it is anything else. 
for me, Ethan Hunt is just Tom Cruise playing Tom Cruise, well, yeah. if you know what yeah. I mean. I don't see much of a personality there. It's just Tom Cruise blowing stuff up. Yeah. I don't know. But I've I'm I mean, I've seen them or I, I think I think I've seen some of them and in anyway and they're enjoyable, but there's not a great deal to them beyond like fun action se- sequences. Not for me, anyway. Yeah. Um, well, what do you think of the summer? I'm not a big fan of Tom Tom Cruise in in general, unless we're talking uh, interview with the va- vampire. He he was amazing in that. <laughs> He's very um, underrated in that film for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I. <sighs> Sorry, you are you done? Is there oh, anything else you wish to say? I'm done as yeah. he dribbles water down his shirt. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well I don't just want to sit here and shit on it. It's it's uh, like as Ian said and as we were just talking about the influence is very very clear like uh the Bourne films um there was an interrogation scene that reminded me very much of uh the usual su- suspects. It's 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 clearly a very influential film. Um, there was some great camera work. Um, as Ian also said, it is very, very pretty. Um, but it just, it just felt like a sequence of scenes, scenes to me. There was nothing to hook me in. That was, um, it's just, I don't know. I love my character driven stuff. And, for me, this film with the lack of dialogue, because there's very little dialogue, even when the like the first line is spoken, from then on in, there still isn't a great deal of dialogue, and that's that that's not inherently a bad thing. Um, there's, um, I think a, that can can be done well, but for here it just didn't didn't work for me, and it it, it didn't the the lack of dialogue just it it characters like. It's hard to get into a character and get to know a character and and to care about them with when there's basically no uh, dialogue for me anyway. Yeah, that's why I started to wonder is like it's such a cool it, it's a seduction needs to happen with this kind mm-hmm. of thing, which is like you need to want to ask questions. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, who is this guy? He looks yeah. broody and interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like any broody character, Angel, any broody character, mm. like, if we're not, dri- if we don't care, if we're not driven right. to wonder, like, oh, who's he? Yeah. And what's he doing? What's he, yeah. is something going to happen? Oh my gosh. You know, yeah. like, and, if, you and- if you're not seduced to ask those questions, then it's meaningless without yeah. dialogue or uh, events yeah. or whatever. It's just a lot of pretty images. And I think, yeah. I, again, and I think I could have been seduced, but just not in the context that we were watching. Yeah, and that's exactly what it was like. Just It just felt like a series of pretty images. And, yeah, like... Um, and But I was, for the first, like, five, ten minutes, I was in, interested, but then it lost me yeah. very, very yeah. quickly. Well, very quickly. I thought it would be an interesting exercise to, um, at some point, rank, which would be completely uh, <laughs> ridiculous. To rank, so, wait, wait, you you know how indecisive I am, well, right? No, no, yeah. <laughs> well, we've watched twenty movies at this point, I think. Yeah. And and to like rank 
the our what, viewing experiences against each other right. because it's yeah. because you're ranking like Gremlins two against Citizen Kane, right? And actually, <laughs> that's a that could that could be a fun segment. Maybe uh, if we get to a hundred, yeah, or or we'll do it yeah. at fifty or something like that. Yeah, but no, no, a hundred, a hundred. That that's gonna boggle my freaking yeah, we'll mind. Yeah, do our bottom ten and our top ten, or or a bo- bottom yeah. five and top ten, or whatever. But this, like, I would put this in the middle. Yeah, de- depending on how many, um, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, look, I didn't absolutely hate it, but I just found it so un- un- uninteresting. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I I think I said this about Citizen Kane in that I think possibly. If I had been around when it when it came out and I saw it in the theater, I I, I would have liked it maybe, but I don't know. That's a that's a, a yeah. A I mean, context kind, context kind of is everything, and especially when it comes to I'm not, I don't know if Le Samurai was intended as spectacle genre, um, uh, hmm. even though it it clearly has had an influence on yeah spectacle pictures of of today, but. Right. Um, but spectacle dates easily, especially you know, like um, we, right. we had that talk with Spartacus. Um, mm. uh, Spartacus was an important film um, mm. uh, in terms of the biblical storytelling or uh, the um, the history or whatever. Um, I, I you know maybe it still uh, holds an interest in that way, but in terms of the the spectacle of the Spartans and or not the Spartans the um, Spartans and Spartacus I mixed that up the 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 gladiators and mm-hmm. the duels and the stakes and the violence and all of that it has just been outdone by modern techniques you know yeah. uh, like yeah. I I don't and think gladiator is a better it's... script. But I think Gladiator, the action sequences in Gladiator are far more compelling and interesting, you know. Right. And maybe Le Samurai yeah. suffers from that. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I just wonder if it just if it's just that it just hasn't aged terrib- terribly well. May maybe not. But, yeah, there's um, a foot chase in the third act of Le Samurai that takes place in the subways and through. And mm-hmm. I just kept thinking of the Bourne movies. Same, you know, same uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the Bourne movies are uh, the, the Bourne, not the car chases. Although it reminded me mm. specifically of one of the car chases in the Bourne movies, but the Bourne movies have foot chases that yeah. are so exciting and uh, and kinetic and interesting and all of that. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm actually quite a big fan of that franchise. Yeah, I, I just think movies. it's yeah. They're they're better than Mission Impossible, I think. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I would agree. Proceed, with that. <laughs> except for Mission Impossible Three, but I would agree with that. Um, anyway, maybe that's enough about uh, yeah, uh, Le Samurai. What do we watch after that? Next, we watched uh, The Wizard of Oz from nineteen thirty nine, uh, directed by Victor Fleming and based on the book by L. Frank Baum. And, of course, starring uh, Judy Garland, Ray Bolger, one of my personal favorites, uh, Jack Haley, Burt La, Margaret Hamilton, and Billy Burke. Uh, yeah, I love how, I, how Fridays have become mm-hmm. our, like, anti-COVID movies, where it's just yeah. like, well, I just want to feel good. Uh, like, yeah. okay, like yeah. I don't mind being challenged, but I, like, I want to yeah. watch something that I know is going to... I haven't watched this movie exactly. in 20 years, but go ahead. Yeah. 
And that's why uh, this one was my choice. Um, it's one of my personal favorites. I've loved it since since I was a kid. Um, it's I I love it. It's one of my fa- favorite films. It's probably somewhere in my top ten. Um, it's just uh, it's so good. It's the it's the first film that I remember being completely enthralled by and and just bewitched even like it, it just blew my my mind as a kid especially that uh transition between sepia and uh color mm-hmm. where uh Dor- Dorothy lands in Oz and the door opens and and outside of the uh, door is all color that blew my mind I was like what but it's how did what <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and funnily enough, it it was because of that show that when I was uh, that 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 movie that uh, when when I was really really young, for some odd reason, I thought that in the old days everything was black and white and color was somehow <laughs> like in, in invented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I don't know why I thought that, but I did until I was probably I, I don't know eight eight or nine years old. That's the um, logic of a kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a one wonderful film. I think it's as close as you, you can get to a, a perfect film and I just absolutely adore it. Um, but yeah, while we were uh, watching, um, cause I'm, I've also like, I've, I, I know a strange amount about the making of that film and, um, it's because um, a couple of years ago, well, probably, I, I know, 10, 10 years ago, and I've watched it for the f- first time in, in a while and, I was just reminded of, of how brilliant it, it was. So I sort of nerded out a bit and I, I did a whole bun, bunch of research on it. So I, um, while we were uh, watching, I just kept spitting out random, uh. random facts. Like, uh, for example, uh, an actor by the name of Buddy Epson was uh, originally cast to play uh, the Tin Man. But during a makeup test, uh, they were using a lead-based powder and... He in, inhaled it and uh, um, acquired some permanent uh, lung lung damage and uh, had to uh, uh, pull out. And that's when they hired Jack H- Haley and switched to <coughs> a lead-based uh, paste. <laughs> um, so still, still lead, but I guess you can't breathe in a paste. <laughs> um, and just how, like, um, during the scene in Munchkinland with the, the Wicked Witch, some uh, pyrotechnics went off early and Margaret Hamilton was burnt and had to uh, leave production for six weeks. Um, and yeah, it became very clear as I'm talking about <laughs> all these horrible things that uh, happened during the making of the film that um was kind kind of a, a, a horror show. Of yeah, sorts, it seems right? like the, like the uh, the at some point we were just joking about how uh, the movie was is a good argument for why OSHA exists, which yeah. is <laughs> our, like the America uh, Health and Safety at Work uh, yeah. uh, department. But the um, yeah, it, it, it's quite the horror show. At one point, yeah. The, uh, they make it to Oz, and there's a purple horse on screen, and I was like, yeah. "Well, this horse was strangled for a good three minutes to get that nice purple color before we put it." In. Like, the movie's uh, has a ridiculous depth of yeah. Yeesh. Oh, and we- what was the last thing? Um, the last thing. Oh, so um, in 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 the scene when they are outside of uh the city of Oz, it starts snowing. And I say to the group, uh, so the snow is asbestos. And everybody's like, 
<laughs> yeah. very, very funny. And I'm like, no, it really is. And that's when we all just kind of broke and like, holy shit, like this entire production was just insane. The horror show of Oz. Yeah, they were inhaling yeah. falling asbestos. And Judy yeah. Garland lived to what age? 47. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, oh, and also uh, the Cowardly Lion costume was made from real uh, <laughs> lion uh, fur. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah. Um, any review of, of, I mean, any review of Wizard of Oz feels um, completely superfluous. Like there are there are there are just a small handful of movies that ninety nine percent of people all kind of say, well, yeah, of course, uh, mm-hmm. that movie, yeah, that was that was a big movie, um, and the people who don't are like, you know, um, unpopular opinion. I, I don't, I never really liked Wizard of Oz or Muppets or whatever the thing uh, uh, may be, and like. You know, I get it, but that's the thing. It's like that's the exception that proves the rule of how ubiquitous the thing is to the point where, like, I feel like it's almost difficult to have a discussion of any um, substance about the th- uh, the the what you did with the details of of the nightmare horror show that the movie was <laughs> uh, are really interesting. But beyond that, it's like. I'm I'm fascinated by what movies would be on that list of, you know, we talk about, I think there's perfect film and then there's perfect film for you or perfect film for right. me. Certainly. Like, I know Fight Club is something that's near and dear to your heart, but that I wouldn't describe mm-hmm. that as a perfect film because of the content being yep. so violent or, or whatever uh, it is. Like, that's just not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. But you, Wizard of Oz is just... It's very um, ubiquitous in that sense, yeah, it's I would just say. so broad yeah. and accessible and whatever. Yeah. Except for the fact that that movie gave me most of my nightmares as a young kid. <laughs> the, well, the, the I, apple trees, man, they are terrifying. The apple trees are scary. When the witch, the, the, the scarecrow is like a man with no skin. Who's like yeah, getting disemboweled yeah. and set on fire and and played like, by the wonderful uh, Ray Bol- Bolger, easily my fate favorite cat character. Yeah, when the oh. monkeys, the flying monkeys, rip all of his stuffing out, and he's just laying there, a talking head <laughs> with it's, with it's pretty straw up. all over the place. It's a nightmare. Oh, it's every, so no, dark. Just, he was carrying a gun. For the oh, first, yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. never we watched the uh, HD remaster, which I'd never yeah. seen the movie in that fidelity before. Same. The text, the makeup. Uh, yeah. I saw details in the makeup. I mean, I'm a, I grew up watching the VHS version of that Same. movie. Yeah. And so seeing it in 1080p remastered, the makeup was astonishing. The oxidation. Yeah levels yeah. on uh the tin man's face and the it, he uh, even had like rivets on his face that i'd ne- never seen yeah before. and the sackcloth texture that was mm. on uh the scarecrow's entire face yeah. was astonishing like I, I i knew that you know he's got a piece of uh sack around his neck and i thought that he was just sort of painted but there are micro yeah. details on his yeah. face yeah, I'd never seen that. Uh, I've before never either. seen that before. That was that was and really cool. I've seen that. I've seen that film oh, at least 20, 20 times throughout my yeah. life. So so many times. Yeah, it's just the the. I love the perfect movie 
conversation? The answer, of course, mm. is there is no perfect movie. Uh, really, mm. there's the, as close as we can get. And I True. think the Wizard of Oz is it's a, very sub- subjective. Yeah, right? I think the Wizard of Oz is um, is a pretty solid example of the closest mm. we can get to that mm. kind of movie. Um, but it was funny. A friend of ours uh, was going on a bit of a tirade about Glinda. Uh, and how she's kind of the big bad of the movie, and I love the we. I've never noticed it, but she throws some serious shade on Dorothy. Glenn, uh, she has only evil witches are ugly, and then later she says, "Are you a good witch or a bad witch?" To Dorothy, it's like, well, is it what? Um, right. Yeah, I love that little bit of it. And my other uh, favorite new question from anything we watch together is. So who are, who are we in the movie? I love our answer for Hannibal, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah. But, like, we're both just the cowardly lion. Yeah. Uh, Easily. Uh, I think maybe I'm a little bit more cowardly lion scarecrow. And you're a little... It's the friends question. Which friend are you uh, from friends? Yeah. Like, and, But you're squarely... There was a point where uh, we were watching it and a friend said... Uh, Boy, this guy really has anxiety issues, and we were like, "Yeah, that's Jack. That's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah." Because I kept making jokes, like he'd say something, and I'd be like, "Same man, yeah. same." And then it just grew and grew and grew to I was like, "Wow, yeah, I'm really the yeah. cowardly lion." <laughs> and just visually, you have the coloring and the yeah, yeah you have that picture on your Facebook uh, yeah. where you disappear into uh, yeah. the shape of the, the cowardly lion. It was great. It was yeah, interesting. I had a, I had a friend who crudely uh, pho- photoshopped my face onto the cowardly lion, and it it works really well. <laughs> um, um, but but yeah, there was that scene. Um, I believe it's in the haunted forest. Um, and the scarecrow is straight up carrying like a revolver. It's so yeah. I've never noticed that before. He's got Same. a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is just not- such an odd choice. It looks plastic, yeah, but nonetheless, yeah, it's, it's a revolver. Plastic. It's just such an odd thing that you just wouldn't expect in The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. It's so and, weird. And I mean, maybe you guys noticed that before and we didn't, but we're just saying yeah. uh, that was something I, I had not seen before. Hmm. Um, and So what else are we watching, The other Ian? thing that we've gotten into recently, just because uh, we happened to, in a conversation, uh, be talking about horror or something, I don't remember. I think it was after we watched Scream. Right. And uh, we were talking about horror, and you're a big horror fan, and I am not. Very much but there so. are instances yeah. in my um, my wheelhouse or or my Venn diagram where I do enjoy um, certain horror. It's normally where horror um, uh, mixes with another genre, so alien, uh, sci-fi mm-hmm. horror, or fantasy horror, or whatever. But um, uh, I really enjoyed the show Hannibal, and I asked if you had seen it, and you said you had not, and it didn't seem like up your alley, and we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Um, so Hannibal, I forgot to write down when it aired, was 2013. Um, the show, it's a, three seasons of a show, it's 12 episodes long, and it's said that it was inspired by the book Red Dragon, written by Thomas Harris, which is the prequel to The Silence of the Lambs. I'm not going to get too deep into the plot of Red Dragon because Hannibal actually takes takes place earlier than Red Dragon. The third season, not sure how much to get into here or what constitutes a spoiler, but um, uh, 
the show takes place before Red Dragon when Hannibal was a free and clear therapist and meets Inspector Will Graham for the first time, a perhaps emotionally unstable assistant to the FBI seeking out serial killers. The show stars Hugh Dancy as uh, Will Graham, who is astonishing, and Mads the Mm. Man Mickelson, who I have grown to love uh, as Hannibal. I think he's tremendous. Um, I... For the first scene, I was like, that's Hannibal. But then after that, I'm like, no, he's Yeah, there's an interesting... I mean, because Silence of the Lambs is such an important film in horror and one best picture Mm. that year. And Anthony Hopkins' Hannibal Lecter is so iconic. And there, I had to make that same transition with the show, too, where I liked everything mm. about the show except Mads Mikkelsen, and I knew it was because... It was difficult at first. It was so hard for me to... It's like reaching for Coke and drinking wine instead. Your, yeah. your, your expectations of flavor are so off that you can't mm. help but be repulsed by the thing as there's not the thing that you're used to. Um, but over the course of the show, I grew to love... I actually prefer his performance to Anthony Hopkins now, I think. But we'll talk about Hannibal. Uh, like the, the show is not Silence of the Lambs. It's something no. very different. But um, mm-hmm. it also features uh, the likes of Lawrence Fishburne, Gina Torres, Gillian Anderson, Eddie Izzard, Jeremy Davies, and Zachary Quinto. Uh, before I saw the cast list, I had very low expectations for the show. It seemed like a weird cash grab uh, when the whole Silence of the Lambs Hannibal show was kind of... I don't know if it was Hannibal. I, it just was like, why Why are you making a series out of this? That's exactly why I never bothered to uh, check, check it out myself. I thought they were just going to uh, shit on something that is very near and dear to me, so I didn't bother. <laughs> it aired uh, after 10 p.m. on NBC, which is... Uh, uh, network television here in the States. Um, but the showrunner for Hannibal was Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller, who helped create and develop shows like Pushing Daisies, Dead Like Me, Wonderfalls, Star Trek Discovery, and American Gods. In other words, the show was nothing like I expected it was going to be. Um, Jack has now watched all of season one, and we're watching season two together. Any spoilers in the comments section? about episodes beyond where we are will be deleted as we're trying to preserve Jack's experience. The only person who gets to ruin the show for Jack is me. (laughs) So, Jack, what have you thought about Hannibal so far? I... I I I kinda love it. Not not kinda, I really love it. I, I, um... You know, as I just said, I wasn't, um... I didn't bother to to check it out. Like I I had a good idea that it was going to be about Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs, all all of that. But I didn't know if it was for certain. But I just thought, yeah, it was just going to be a cash grab and just it was going to ruin something that I absolutely love. But um, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that from the first episode, I was like, no, this is amazing. Like, what the hell? Like, this is really good. Um. But it's it's very much in my wheelhouse of things, like very much. Um, like it's got the the uh, horror aspect, but also this um, psychological aspect to to it. I'd, I'd say as well. Um, and just um, it's very it's very artsy too. It's very very artsy. It is so um, visually imaginative, and I think yeah. that's where I was so taken aback. 
is well it's funny because i i um i was kind of surprised that you were into it because it is very gory in part you've said that it might be one of the goriest things you've like or rather that not one of the goriest things you've ever seen but that the gore is even shot so shocking for you and you're into this genre yeah like I can watch Saw and not and not flinch, but this yeah, routinely makes my jaw I drop. I don't know that it's more gory. That's a tough scale to figure yeah, out and discuss. I don't know, but it's the it, effectiveness it's, it's and design yeah. of the gore. Yeah, but it, but the thing um, is, it always feels. Uh, it never feels wasted or titillating. Do you know what I mean? It no. always feels designed. In a way that yeah. is unique and specific, and at least has a vision of. There's a there yeah. the. Uh, let me. Uh, we're speaking very vaguely about it. So um, the show is about serial killers. Will Graham is trying to find serial killers, and and there are pro- major problems with the show, which we can get into in a minute. Which I feel like you've already started to. We we've already had discussions about like, what? Yeah. Um. But. Will Graham tracks down these serial killers. And one of the weird things about the show is every single serial killer is this kind of like arty, it's artistic, so over the over top. The top. Like, yeah. No one just I gets the shot. I jump the shark because like these serial killers do things that just wouldn't happen in the real world. Um, yeah. And, but it, it's done in such a way that I'm very forgiving because it is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the way it's shot is very interesting. All of the, the the it's all grotesque, but the grotesqueness mm. is has a has a is engrossing in a very strange way, and not in a, again. I, I I say not in a titillating way, in a mm. sort of imaginative, artistically kind of, composed kind yeah, of way. As weird as it is to to say, it's kind of there is an elegance to it. Um, right, which is so strange to be talking yeah. about with this. <laughs> it but is. The, um, yeah. um, Hugh Dancy is Will, Will Graham uh, is a little bit like, um, uh, not Elijah Wood, but uh, I can't remember his name right now, in The Sixth Sense, the boy with the ability to see the dead. Oh, yeah, Haley Joel, Haley Joel, o- o- Osmond. Joel Osmond. He's a little bit like that character uh, in that what a curse that ability would be. Um, mm. uh uh, at first, oh, and I love the way that they that they um they they show that how they how how them that whole plays out like yeah. that whole whole thing. So Dancy has Amazing. essentially a superpower to to stand at a crime scene and be able to in his m- imagination rewind the crime scene in order to rebuild exactly what happened through the eyes of the killer, and he's an incredibly vulnerable character neurotic and anxious and all of this but has the ability to see through the eyes of these terrible people and see all the figure out how all these awful things went down um to catch these people and so it's this curse of an ability where he can stop murderers but needs to look at all these awful terrible things and deal with the scars and the damage that it 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 heaps upon him yeah, um, he kind of like climbs into the mind of the the uh, killers, and that's very unsettling for him. Um, it sort of reminds me of the angel slash an- angelus thing, you know, because 
Angel has the memories of Angelus and he remembers what it felt like and all of that. Yeah, yeah, the uh yeah, that's an interesting comparison. I like that. The um and the way the show visualizes his intuition in certain ways. So one of the ways that it visualizes his intuition is through heavy use of um uh slow motion, reverse footage. Um uh everything is sort of nothing is haphazard. Everything has a this is my design. Everything has a design to it that is um, specific. There's a vision to to the way his intuition is visualized on screen. And not only that, but he occasionally sees monsters uh, oh, around so him that are representations of his intuition trying to figure out who this person is, who the person is that uh, that he's tracking and he starts seeing a monster in his daily life that he has no idea where it's coming from. And he happens to also be seeing Hannibal uh, as one of Hannibal's patients um, uh, yeah. during the time. So it's very... He's the moral center of the show. It's very... It, it, the, we talk, we've talked a lot about the, the violence and the gore, but that would it would not be enough for me without a character that sort right. of represented us as like this is horrifying and terrifying or whatever but also um the show doesn't waste opportunities to compose and be visually interesting in and all of this um sorry i sort of went off on a long long tangent there it's just it's a difficult show to explain it is it is it's um it kind of like in a weird way it reminded me of dexter and you, you and I uh, had an, a long, long conversation, conversation of, about, about Hannibal that turned into a conversation about De- Dexter and, its sim- and the similarities and the dif- differences and whatnot. And um, a lot of the the gory sort of horror elements reminded me of Dexter, but just artsier because Dexter still has an, an artsy vibe, but not like this. Um, yeah. And yeah, um, we, we we were talking about uh, the differences in in uh, char- characters and whatnot, and how like um, like the characters in uh, Hannibal, especially um, Will Will Graham, played by Hugh Dancy. Like I've I'd never heard of him b- before, but that man is incredible. Like, so oh good. my god, he's amazing. But um, yeah, the characters in Hannibal are far more interesting and complex I think than the characters in uh, De- Dexter. Dexter I would say the characters are more endearing and charming and whatnot because you've got like um, like uh, Angel Batista who's you know a bit of a sweetheart and you've got Masuka who's just a pervy 15 year old in the in the body of a man who works for, for the police and whatnot. Um, yeah, I always found they, yeah, didn't we, we de- talk- they didn't develop very far beyond that. Exactly, yeah. We were also talking about how, um, like, really the only character in Dexter that has a real arc is Deborah, right? Um, yeah. Everybody else, even, like, Dexter kind of doesn't... He doesn't have a completed arc, which is something we spent a lot of time discussing, too. Yeah, we got but, into uh, a major debate where I was, like, I was worried that... <laughs> We yeah. were getting heated, and I was like, "No, it was passionate, but I don't think it was heated." Yeah, yeah it was passionate. It wasn't yeah. heated. My, my um, contention was that by making the protagonist of your show Dexter instead of Will Graham, 
you create mm-hmm. a fundamental problem with uh, what we expect a character arc to be. Yeah, um, right. and and Dexter never pays that off. Um, mm-hmm. It remains to be seen if uh, the uh, yeah, we'll Hannibal will pay that off. But well, you already know. I'm I'm going. To, yeah, um, I'm not going to spoil anything. The show has yeah, um, has problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but um, yeah, Hannibal is the show is named after Hannibal, but he is not the protagonist of the show. No. It is. Uh, but and by the way, I we're having this discussion. I am not recommending this show i am not I am. wholeheartedly recommending this show I, I i um provisionally recommend it it is incredibly violent um mm-hmm. it is grotesque it is uh hard to watch and it has made both jack and i squeamish at times which is astonishing that it aired on nbc after 10 o'clock but it did um uh, on top of those warnings, the show is a very interesting character uh, study of Will Graham and his relationship to Hannibal. Hannibal has a lot of... Mads Mikkelsen is chef's kiss. Yeah. Wonderful. It, uh, it, he brings a, a, a sort of coldness and detachment and that is less uh, i don't know it's very different than anthony hopkins and i love it yeah um i will say that i recommend it for all the reasons you don't recommend <laughs> <Right>. it <laughs> <laughs> I, and i mean that's oh. that's kind of, that was kind of the interesting thing that we got into about the the whole thing was uh what constitutes horror that i will watch and and what doesn't i think i just I, maybe i need a moral grounding rod in the whole thing. I don't know that I need right. a happy ending, and that was part of our discussion of uh, Dexter versus Hannibal versus uh, mm-hmm. uh, Game of Thrones was the other one that we were talking about when it came to grotesque violence and and mm-hmm. sort of shocking horror. Um, but that's a different discussion. Anyway. But, um, yeah, there, there's... there's like obviously there is a lot of uh referencing to silence and the lambs and what whatnot and and there's a lot of homages uh some of them i like some of them really bug me like well, the show, uh, the show does one scene does not treat huh? Han- the show does not treat hannibal and the silence of the lamb uh, hannibal the movie red dragon the movie and the silence of the lambs as canon it ignores no, no. them. They don't exist. Yeah. It's taking the book uh, uh, material as inspiration. But anyway, an and example. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. But um, there is there is this one scene where there is this serial killer in jail. Oh, he's not. He's he's not a serial killer, but he is. Well, well never. It doesn't doesn't matter. But he's in a cell, and somebody comes to speak to him and, and pull, pulls up a chair, and it is very clearly. An homage to uh, the first scene with uh, Clarice and uh, yeah. Hannibal Lecter in, in Silence of the Lambs. And it just bugged me because especially the actor playing the uh, serial killer, Eddie he Izzard. was doing a very bad Anthony Hop- Hopkins in, impersonation and I hated it. But there's been some some other ref- references and uh, homages that I love. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, it's difficult to... to- uh, d- distinguish the line between homage, fan service, and reference. I think, and I'm right. not sure what all of those are, but there are a lot of, yeah. uh, we'll say at least references to. 
yeah. uh, visual yeah. references or textual references to the movies, mm. uh, even though the books, the show does not treat them as canon. Right. Yeah. And look, I appreciate that they did it in some parts, but but I guess I'll just say that some some of it is just really on the nose for me. Yeah. <laughs> like really. But there's but uh, you know the big difference for me. But Dexter had charm. The first two yes. seasons of Dexter, I watched all yeah. of it. The first two seasons of Dexter were charming, plotty, and interesting and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but Hannibal is engrossing on a level that I, I never found Dexter to be. Yeah. And part of that and, is the and character. Dex- yeah. And Dexter has some genuine humor, whereas this isn't funny this at is all. Not, <laughs> the show is not funny. I think like, I, I cataloged when we laughed once yeah. in... Uh, and it was once in the first season. Yeah. But for instance, there's a scene between Gina Torres plays um, Lawrence Fishburne's wife, mm-hmm. and there's a scene that takes place in Hannibal's office where the two of them sit down and have a conversation. Uh, and yeah. you and I were both choking up mm-hmm. at the the rawness and the reality and the vulnerability of the relationship between these it, two it, characters. It was- it was done in such a, a human way and in a way that was kind of sub- subversive big, because most shows would have done it in a conventional route, whereas this didn't, and I loved it. Yeah, it was... Uh, and it's in this show about serial killers that does all yeah. these weird, hyper-surrealist, imaginative, you know, yada yada. But this wonderful moment where these two actors I love sit down and have this raw conversation as husband and wife and mm. and and talk about this thing that they're dealing with no spoilers um mm. and it it's that's the kind of stuff that i need yeah. to 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 captivate me for yeah stuff like this you know it's not enough and that's why right. i struggle with the horror genre a lot like slasher genre and so forth is they're mm-hmm. they're plot driven they're not character driven, you know. I mean, yeah, Some of that them, can not be all said. Of them. I know that's a broad yeah, that statement. That can be said for like 1980s horror and 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 into the 1990s as, as well. Um, that's what I think of when I, I think of slasher. That, is is yeah, that era? Yeah, yeah, slasher is a very particular subgenre yeah. of um yeah um slasher is more more about the the spectacle and the violence, but um. Like like modern modern horror for the last fifteen odd years has kind of lost its way. Um, just mainstream sort of like modern jump horror, sc- yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's just all jump scares and 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 false scares, and it's 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 forgotten about things like at- atmosphere and character. Yeah. Um, but there have been a few additions to the genre sort of recently that's that's made me kind of feel as though it's finding its way again. Like. Um, the Babadook, which is kind of old, old now, but but I really appreciated that. And there was one more. That's that one of my I favorite memes of right now. The, ba- the, the Babadook oh, with the meme, screaming- meme is probably one of my favorite memes. I yeah, love when you post the Babadook kid. meme. Yeah, <laughs> just <Yeah>. be normal. <laughs> exactly, that's a good one because it's so broad. Yeah, I love it. But yeah, um, as as a horror fan, the last fifteen years or so has been sad, but I think things are starting to look up. Um, yeah, I've seen. I watched the Babadook. I've watched um, 
Oh, crap. I'm not remembering any of the actors or the name. It's a movie oh, about a family. Doctor Sleep. Do- oh, yeah, Doctor Sleep. I love Doctor Sleep. Best horror movie I've seen in a long freaking yeah, time, Doctor Sleep is so tremendous. Um, and Loved But again, it. that's... that's uh, when I think of that movie, I think of two scenes in that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. with Ewan Mer- One with Ewan McGregor standing on a horror. stage and the other with him speaking to someone very important. That yeah. are so emotional and yeah. ha- based in his character and his arc and him mm-hmm. it, like they're these huge moments uh yeah. for his journey and um you know when that's there i'm interested when that's there i'm interested yeah. i watched it again um a second time with a friend a while ago and i loved it even yeah, more the second so time through. like it blows me away like one of the the things that, that blows me away and it's quite simple is just that it's a three-hour movie but it doesn't feel like it no. it really doesn't feel like it it's the, the pacing is so well well done but yeah i will say that most of my favorite moments in that film aren't horror related at, at all there's a very uh tender moment i would say between you and mcgregor and an elderly man I, I don't yeah. want to go, yeah, go yeah, much yeah, beyond yeah. that, but that's go a watch it, beautiful please. moment. Watch the director's cut. Yeah. Go watch it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Check check it out and let us know what you think. Yeah. Hannibal has some issues. Um, first of all, the I, I think that over the course of the three seasons, they suffered from budget constraints and regular fears of cancellation. And so I don't know how that drove the stories. By the way, David Fury wrote an episode in season one, we both noticed, and we're excited to, yeah. to see. It was like, oh, I got it. Fucking Buffy nerds, man. Yeah. Um, uh, the it, you know what's funny is it starts to feel a little like Sunnydale to me, where I'm like, yeah. why do people live in Baltimore, Maryland? I Everyone's getting murdered. Yeah. And I feel like the serial killers are getting more and more elaborate. That's why I mentioned jumping the uh, shark. They're getting so fanciful and fantastical well, you know jumping the shark uh, uh refers to when a sh- the reality of it, what a show was breaks mm. and it becomes right, okay. a sort of something else i think i think so there's that's an interesting really the uh, best term the, then yeah well no but i think there's an interesting distinction the point that you were talking about there's a a a corpse on a stage in a uh, an auditorium that has been turned into an instrument. That's all we'll yeah. talk about for uh, yeah. the sake of this podcast. Um, but, you know, we were both talking about how uh, this is getting ridiculous. There's a totem pole of bodies at one point, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But the 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 thing is, like, it never really... The show never really exists in reality. The show, it's no. like Buffy... Where there's yeah. this fantasy, this—it's a different reality uh, yeah. uh, than like, the current one. It looks like our our reality, and it, it's not like too out there or anything. But there's just serial killers don't yeah. don't do that. Uh-huh. Even even the ones that want to do that don't don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it just gets to be. No one's just shot. Or stabbed yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Everything is this ridiculously posed, yeah. uh, whatever but, kind of crime scene. But the show itself is so interesting that I kind of don't don't care. And even the over the top stuff is done so well that I kind of dig it. Like the totem pole that that was really cool. Yeah, like it's complete nonsense, but it's cool. That's kind of the benefit of 
investing so much imagination in the look and design of things. And it's a little like Buffy in the way the monsters are all sort of metaphors for what the main characters are going through. And the Mm -hmm. killers each week represent some facet of what Will Graham is confronting personally or what he's dealing with, um, all of that. And uh, the finale... So um, the season one finale of of, uh, Hannibal is, I think, tremendous. Uh, We watched it the other day. See? (laughs) The... Oh yeah! I literally screamed, didn't I? Like, oh my god! I was oh yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, the finale is incredible. And then, oh. uh, um, you know, ordinarily I would be afraid of building something up too much for you, but the season two finale is one of the most compelling yeah. pieces of television I've ever seen. I got to admit, I was a little can- concerned that you were building it up so much that nothing was oh, going to yeah, meet my expectations. But if anything, it's yeah, it's 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 exceeded everything that's, I thought yeah, it was going to be. Is the confidence with which I can say that and mm. not be worried that that's going to happen. Yeah, uh, you weren't uh, exaggerating at all. <laughs> yeah, well, the season we haven't watched season two yet, but the show mm-hmm. in general, yeah, we saw one episode, I think, right? We did one, and, one episode yeah, of and, season and two. They teased a little bit of, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, oh yeah, and that and that's right. I was like, wait, we, we're gonna end here, and you're like, I gotta go to bed. I'm <laughs> like, oh god damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I say that by season two, the show had started to lose me a bit. Um, Okay. So you know, they, they they things sort of start to fall off or whatever. But the season two finale but to be clear, is like, still. It doesn't, you don't think it gets bad though? No, right? it never it's gets not, bad. It yeah. never gets bad. But the promise of the first three or four episodes, which are haunting and beautiful and uh, incredible, yeah. You know, um, it never gets Maybe bad. It, it gets never a gets bit too. Never gets bad. It there. gets a bit. It gets a bit too like full full of itself, maybe. Is that I, what you're I I think they were just struggling to stay on the air, and and okay. were sort of forced to try yeah. different things and to whatever the and vision was originally, right? Um, was affected by the business of the show. Is my guess. I don't right. know. Uh, okay. Uh, I think you said um, you said it got cancelled and and it becomes very obvious at some some point that they're racing there's towards a, the yeah. finish line. There's a yeah. yeah. We'll talk. We'll we'll uh, if anyone's interested, we'll update you as as Jack goes yeah. through the show. But when people Certainly. ask me like most memorable episodes of tel- television, the season two finale is easily uh, uh, on my list. I'm so excited, man! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited! Holy shit! All right, so. Um, uh, we that we spent quite a bit of time on those, but that was kind of to be expected. Uh, yeah. I wanted to share a question that came in um, to the Passion of the Nerd at Gmail dot com. That's the Passion of the Nerd at Gmail dot com email. Question comes from Dara. Dara, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and I thought it might be interesting to talk about uh here on the podcast. Uh, Dara's email reads Hello, um, I hope you're doing very well uh, During this weird time I'm currently working on my channel And trying to figure out what I want to do And how to market myself I was wondering if you have any advice on how to write Get clips 
I've been wondering how people, yourself included, get such high-quality clips from movies, TVs, and shows. I, I, that might be one of the questions I get most commonly. The answer is yeah. I rip them, the DVDs. Uh, mm. I own the Buffy and Angel box sets, and I rip them. And yeah, it's quite a simple uh, solution to that, yes. really. And sometimes I resort to uh, Jack's nighttime sleep aid in order to find oh. other clips that I uh, don't have yes. or can't rip. Um, and how to market yourself and your channel. Thank you and hope to hear from you soon. Also, I wanted to say recently I rewatched your video about what you learned after your first year on YouTube. I have recently decided to really work on my own channel and I can without a doubt relate to the anxiety of what I have decided to do, relate to the anxiety of what have I decided to do to my life and that I, anxiety not allowing you to do what you want to do and dream. I was wondering how you deal with that and keep going doing something you love doing. Also, and sort of on topic, my biggest concern has been how do YouTubers afford health care? Do you have any advice on that? Thanks again for your great videos, uh, Dara. Okay, so on the surface of it, this question, uh, the, the, when I told you that I wanted to talk about this question on the podcast, you said, well, what am I going to say? <laughs> and um but i think that her uh kind of, first of all your answer to the healthcare question uh you should move to to australia uh, canada <laughs> or norway somewhere that has so socialized free health healthcare boom pro- problem solved concur I'm kidding that's uh well the only way i have healthcare is with the american affordable healthcare act um mm. which has been in a constant state of jeopardy since it was made yeah yeah I make I make light of it, and I shouldn't. I, I know it's a very grim situation for those, those of you in the U.S., and I I can't imagine because with my health health problems, I would either be uh, dead or in a hell of a lot of debt. <laughs> yeah, um, um, yeah. That's the thing is the so um, Dara for the first year I didn't have health care uh, while I was doing this, and I do not recommend if you're an American, you didn't specify in your email. I do not recommend you doing that because um uh what i found was i started experiencing this heightened paranoia of uh, you know i have a motorcycle uh scooter <laughs> i heard jess's voice in my head saying scooter um <laughs> i have a scooter and the uh the thing is you can you can be a hundred percent perfect uh on a bike and still die because uh, all what it takes is a driver not paying attention and running into you. So uh, riding around, realizing I didn't have health care, and that if I broke my leg or needed an operation or any of that, it would be a financially crippling experience um, for me. Heightened anxiety and made things worse. Um, so do, you know, don't go without health care. Uh, whatever you need to do, figure out, uh, again, I use the American Affordable Health Care Act, and that comes out of uh, Patreon donations that um, I receive monthly, and I pay monthly um, a fee to get that done. And the other thing that... Um, but, uh, Jack, you and I have been talking about... She said, I rewatched uh, your video about what you learned after your first year on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I can, without a doubt, relate to the anxiety of what have I decided to do and that anxiety right. not allowing you to do what you want to do and dream. 
Right, yeah. Now, we've been um, talking a lot about dreams and fantasies, and I was going to include <laughs> that in the podcast. So, like, yeah. where does, what, what comes up for you when she says that? Well, look, I've I've been threatening to branch out and do my own stuff for years now. I even um, on a stream that we did uh, like two years ago, I announced that I was going to do it, and I kind of never did. Um, and I've been standing behind you, beating that drum. Dum, 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 dum. Yeah, you've you've done everything you can to. Um, and, and, and look, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But um, I relate to that. The whole. Um, a big a big part of it for me is uh, the imposter syndrome thing. Like, do I really have anything good to say here? Or, you know, worry that I'm just going to say something stupid and then a wall of shit from you, YouTube is going to rain down upon me and everybody's going to tell me I'm stupid and I suck and all of those things. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult, man. Um, but... I think a part of it is, I mean, one of the th- one of the things you told me ages ages ago was to cater to your own tastes. Right. Don't try and impress anybody else. Just sort of impress your, your yourself, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's difficult. It's difficult. Um, well, the, yeah. the, that's. It's one thing to say that, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, you know you can know all the things uh, exactly. which I've known for years, but then still not put them into to practice. So uh, part of the reason why I wanted to answer Dar- uh, Dara, 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 Dara. I hope Dara. I'm so sorry. I'm the worst. Part of the reason why I wanted to answer her question uh, with you was because I felt like being able to speak to you directly about these things gave us a conversational framework for. Sure. Um, uh, talking about this because I don't know her situation uh, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, right. So one of the things you just said was um, that I have previously talked about write things for just yourself, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, or make things for yourself because you are the only audience member whose experience you can actually control, right? Right. So, um, if I, uh, I started that way and then as the channel started to pick up, I started getting to know the people in this community. I started understanding different people's perspectives, different people's voices. The first season of Buffy, um, in the episode guides, I wrote in a way where I assumed that everyone thought that the first season of Buffy was difficult to endure. (laughs) And then streams of voices came in and said, but I love the puppet show or, Hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, what have you. Um, I robot Eugene. Very rarely do people say I, I love I robot Eugene, but that exists. But it happens. Yeah. Yeah. So what I found was that my, you know, it's confronting enough to just try and make a thing. It's to just, to just try and sit down and make a thing to make a thing. Just to, for that's it. certainly part of it too. Yeah. Like, because you can, like, I I sit down in front of like a blank doc document. And I'm like, okay, let's write and write a script, and I've got nothing. Yeah. Nothing comes to me. And and a form of it is stage stage fright. I dare say. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But in terms of like the make something for just yourself, the what happened was that I started to water down my own voice and I started to think like, well, I shouldn't say this because I know there's a part of the audience that is this way or I shouldn't do this because of the part. And my writing got worse. Uh, uh, the, and the thing I started to realize is that people would rather disagree with me than have me say something that I'm not passionate about or don't believe. Right, so what that means is, I had uh, ign- at the end of the day, I sit down and I write a script where I ignore everything else and just kind of go, well, let's make a thing that I find interesting. And I know that you have had that experience because mm-hmm. you've edited stuff for the Patreon bonuses that you love. Yeah, absolutely love. Um, uh, recent one I did was uh, Chartevel, and that's. That's my favorite thing I've ever made ever. It was incredible. I love how how that came came out. So what to you is the difference then between editing something like that and saying that you want to make a video and sit to, of your own with your own voice and your own writing and all of that. Self-doubt aside, like why 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 is it easy to sit down and why was it easy to to make Chartevel? Shut to bell, and just, like, where's the? What's the difference in those two experiences? I, I can't quite put it into words as to why, but it just um, making my own stuff seems so much more daunting, um, such a, a, a bigger mountain to to climb, you, you know. And I've got this, like, sure, I have I- ideas, but I just don't don't know where where to start either. Whereas. You, you know, with the pay, Patreon videos, you you re- record it, you send me the the DR file, and you basically just say, "Go for your life, do whatever you want," and 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 that's one one I do, and I feel I feel less less pressure, which is odd. <laughs> yeah, because um, if you decide to make a video review of something, that's hmm. essentially you giving yourself permission to do whatever you want, not worry about it. <laughs> So that's interesting, that's, right? Like, but you still like you you don't guide me at all. No. You literally tell me to do whatever I want with, with those videos. Like, I have full creative con- control there. So, so because it's me and I give you permission to just do whatever the hell you want to do, you actually embrace that freedom. But you cannot give yourself the freedom to do that with your own stuff. Oh. This just turned into like a therapy session. <laughs> that okay, okay. That, yeah? The thing about imposter syndrome is like, what are you like? How can you be an imposter to yourself? I mean, like, right. we're talking about. There's no one else. There's no boss. There's no mm. like. And if you're making something for just you, you're only trying to entertain yourself. And I know right. that you can do that because you've done that when I give you permission to make yeah. whatever you want. And it like yeah. just do anything. I've, do a thing. Play jazz. I've I've got no retorts <laughs> to that. <laughs> you're right. Yes. Uh, all um, right. <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm I'm glad we had this talk. No. Um, um No, I mean I say all of that and I've been banging my head against the wall. With Fool for Love for we all go four through weeks it. now. That's it, one exactly. thing. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. Dara, it never goes away. And 
all of your favorite con- content creators go through the same thing. Yeah. Every single one of them, I guarantee it. Yeah, like Every there are one. variations in... Sometimes I get a good idea faster. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, I would love to see this bit edited with this little piece of music and include this and do whatever. And it's like... And that's the same with the pa- Patreon videos. Some of them come like that yeah. and others I, I have to spend more time thinking others and I, sp- just, I like, spend a exploring. month pulling teeth uh, pulling my own teeth out trying to figure out like well what do I have to say about this I think the only difference anymore is I just don't ever give up I just mm-hmm. I, I stay in that process and say this is going to get done I don't know if it's going to get done today or tomorrow uh, or whatever but I'm at, like if everyone unsubscribed from the channel, I would still be doing what I'm doing. I would still uh, uh, have to make things. And I've accepted that that's a part of my life, is that mm-hmm. no matter what, I'm going to keep doing the thing that I'm doing. And I'm working on making that that experience more efficient or or whatever, but that... The I suppose the one of the fallacies that I experienced early on, Dara, was that that sense of like, well, if I have all this self doubt, that must mean that I'm not ready yet. And no, the self doubt oh never <laughs> ever goes away from me. It's always present, but I make the stuff anyway, and I sort of mm. soldier through it, and I make it worse, and I you know vent about it, or I fight it, or whatever. And then I, oh wait, what about this thing with Wesley and? stepping in an angel's shoes well he kind of seems like he had abuse with i will remember well that's an intro why don't we draw that there uh, you know and then sort of find myself sucked in so in terms of like self-doubt um there's no getting over that there's no for me there's no uh that you know there's there's just the work there's just writing the night, sitting down, getting yourself to mm. whatever way you have to trick, coerce, you know, whatever gets you sitting down and 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 writing, is it, you know? And the way that I do it is I do uh, what's called Pomodoro, I think, uh, writing sessions where it's like writing the whole script feels impossible to me. When I start the script, I'm like, well, I can't do all of this. That's too much. That's how I feel. <laughs> so what I do is I keep a timer uh, on my computer screen. And um, I, I coerce friends into doing what I call cubicle buddy sessions with me. Jack's we, one we of them. We do that a lot. Yeah. And um, um, we talk for a minute. Then we mute. And we set the timer for 25 minutes. And I don't have to write the whole script. All I have to do is write for the next 25 minutes, whether that's this next line or there's, there's no expectations of how much I get done, but I'm going to sit there with the script open. And if I type nothing and stare at the script for 25 minutes, then I do that. And then, so that changes the sense of accomplishment from finish script to... It turns it into a much more fulfilling experience. Well, yeah, and consumable or uh, uh, mm. I can't, finish script is not a task I can check off a list, but do the next 25-minute session It's like taking a bite out of a sandwich rather than shoving the whole whole thing in your mouth in one go. 
and, and choking on it. <laughs> and so in terms of my own stress and anxiety, when it's bad, and it's been bad recently, I, I try and just focus on, okay, when am I going to sit down and do the next 25? When am I going to do the next? So I break that that big stressful thing down into increments that feel doable to me. And if 25 is too much, when you start, do 10. Sit for 10 mm. minutes, set a timer for 10 minutes, sit and do nothing but stare at the script for 10 minutes. And uh, brain dump, write nonsense, throw everything you can on the page, and then edit. Remove, mm-hmm. remove, remove, um, yeah. all of that. Um, and Go ahead. I would also say, like, Dara, I, I I totally get it. Look, the the self doubt and all of that. It's it, it's difficult. I'm I'm surrounded by positive pe- pe- people who, who who encourage me, who who do their uh, best to reinforce all of all of my positive traits and tell me that I'm smart and in- interesting and all of those are things. But I've still got this voice in my head that's like, well, they're your your friends, so of course they're not gonna 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 tell tell you that you're not cut out for this, but. Honestly, the only way out is through it. You just gotta yeah. gotta do it, and also give yourself permission to not 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 suck, but just understand that your 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 first video isn't going to be as good as your tenth video. It's all it's, it's all the process, learning, and as, as long as you are moving forward and getting getting better, that's the important thing. But you can't do that until you take the the first step. I think. Yeah, and my friend Lonnie from Chipperish was on uh, a podcast a month or two ago. Uh, I'm working on writing a novel this year, and she's um, has graciously agreed to be my writing coach. And she talked in um, her appearances about being willing to uh, write bad on purpose just to write, just to, to get it out of your head and onto the page um uh whether that's music or what you know whatever me- your medium is um uh giving yourself permission to just not put wait until the idea is birthed yeah. into existence fully formed but cuz that's what editing is for too right. if you don't like some something in in the video cut it out um um re re record whatever take stuff out add, add things that's what that's for yeah um, so, Dara, I'm looking at your question again here. Uh, anxiety, uh, what to do in dream? Dreaming was the other thing that you and I, uh, and this is not specific to this topic, but you and I have been talking about dreaming because I've been thinking about... Right. Uh, where I lost the ability to fantasize. Yeah, you, know, you and I are in a similar... For, uh, for, Place there. Yeah, for some reason, I like I can fantasize about boats and vans and these big sweeping slate clearing changes. But those things tend to occur when I'm stressed out and hating the moment anyway. But to right. but to dream hopefully about present circumstances, like to I think to create anything, to write or to 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 play music or whatever is to dream of creating a thing uh, to be hopeful about um you know making something and that's in relationships being hopeful in relationships being hopeful in connections and all of that and i just feel uh, like i started to notice that i feel like my ability to uh 
dream got neutered at, by myself, of course, because who the hell else would Same. do it? At some point along the way, and I brought that up with you, and 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 what did you say? Well, for me, it, it's all about uh, avoiding disappointment, right? right. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's about keeping your expectations low so you're not let, 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 let down. <laughs> Doyle's line has come back to me so many times. It's the kind of life that keeps your expectations from getting too high. And that is that, such a resonant line. And, and like when we were having that uh, com- conversation, I almost got like angry because I was just like, "No, that's a really shitty way to be." Like that's so that's so sad. Like it it really opened my eyes a little bit and. Because, you know, like when, when when I was younger, I wanted to be an astronaut and I still kind of do. I'd love to do that and used to have all these dreams about being like the, the, the first man on Mars. And then I got old and I got sick. and I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. And and that's OK. I don't have to be an astronaut. But I did somewhere along the way lose the ability to think big and to dream, dream big. And that's something that. I'm trying to read and discover right right now. Yeah, I think um, the the term they use for it is youthful optimism. We all yeah. we all have a youthful <laughs> optimism that that um, yeah. and the the uh, the notion of calling it youthful is that it at some point gets beaten out of you by disappointments and and tragedy or grief or whatever yeah. that life sort of drains reality. Out of you. <laughs> and holy hell, is that a I, I, I'm not it's, okay it's so with that. It's so morose, and it's so yeah. like, <laughs> like it's sad, man. Like, <laughs> and it's something that I was like unconscious about. It's not some something that I was like actively doing. But yeah, yeah. I for myself, I, w- when I was thinking about it, and you and I had this conversation the other day, I was like, I didn't do that on purpose. It just was a mm. de facto process. I ended up, you know, uh, yeah. It, Early in the podcast, I talked about pursuit of happiness, pursuit of meaning, and like what life for me turned into in my 30s, which was pursuit of comfort. Mm-hmm. Because comfort is a nice substitute for happiness. Comfort is yeah. very comforting. You know? Yeah. To s- it's, um, it becomes a little static after a while, but yeah, it's... Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's easy to develop inertia in comfort. Um, but comfort is also safe and not yeah. disappointing and not, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, depending, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but that was the, what happened to me was ultimately I found mm. it, uh, yeah, meaningless. I guess off, off, yeah. I could yeah, never yeah, shake yeah. the after, fact that it was meaningless. Yeah. Yeah. And after a while you get a little lost in it. I is, did. Is, is yeah. what I would say. Yeah. Um, Lest we speak. I think a big, a big part of it for me too was, um, I've, I've had some pretty full, full on men, mental health issues in terms of, um, anxiety and de- depression. And I think that's where part of my, my, my dreaming was lost, I guess, in some of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the trick, right? And that's the thing that I haven't figured out or, or rather now that I, I see that I did that to myself, uh, to not be hopeful in relationships or to not be uh, hopeful about what I do, you know, why is it, mm. uh, or 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 that change can be affected or whatever it is, yeah. to develop this kind of nihilistic perspective about yeah. uh, uh, what was possible 
not nihilism is the wrong word. Um, but anyway, um, now that I but when you get that little spark of hope, hope again, it feels it feels good, yeah, man. Yeah, it's 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 intoxicating, and just like one little thing happens, and you're like, oh wow, hang on, actually something good could really come and come of this and it, it, it's such a good feeling I, and, and assuming that disappointment was driving that i i realized this in 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 the framework of desire mm-hmm. uh, which i don't know if i want to get into that completely but it you know it has roots in trauma and sort of uh, went from there but like desire and hope aren't two uh, distant cousins uh uh, uh, of each other, but but the thing that it, now that I sort of see it, it's like, well, yeah, disappointment sucks. So mm. so, what is the trick to not letting one wreck the other, or vice versa? You know, sort of like mm. um, people who are perpetually hopeful or positive or whatever, even in the face of like, but not in an unrealistic way of. Mm-hmm. Everything will be okay. It's like, well, no, it won't. Yeah, Oftentimes, things bullshit. are not okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Sort of sober optimism, I guess, would be a good term mm. for uh, what I'm trying to, to to describe. It's like I don't, I don't know how to get there, but it's interesting. I, I just recently noticed that yeah. uh, myself in a place emotionally that I was like, I don't want to be the. Yeah, I, don't, I don't choose that. Yeah, I don't have a solution or, or an answer either. Um, other than just just keep on trying, man. Just keep keep on going. Yeah, it reminds me of of absurdum, uh, absurdism in a way. You know, yeah, the, the struggle ensues. itself towards the heights is enough to fill a man's heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that. But that then the trick then is figuring out your way to make the next thing creatively. If you're talking mm. about that. Um, mm the creative experience and creative fulfillment ensuing is, is I rapidly learned that when I make a video and when I publish, there's a beautiful shine that I experience for a day or two. Oh um, yeah. Just yeah. this like, it's, it's, it's wonderful to, uh, to observe. <laughs> yeah. I feel untouchable. Uh, yeah. I mean, with rare exceptions, some videos uh, uh, that did not happen, or uh, you know, I had to fight Fox or whatever they were. It's pretty rare, though. Yeah. But creatively, I feel like complete. And then the next day occurs, and then a week occurs. And and by the way, the comments for the first couple of days are shining because those mm. are the people who love your stuff and follow you and yeah. want to see the new thing, and they're the ones looking for a good experience. And people who want to have a good experience find it more often than people who walk in with sort of a neutral or a cynical attitude right. about things. Yeah. A week later is when the people who uh, are not that, oh, Ian made a new video. Well, okay. Whatever. And I'm not saying their opinions are any less valid <laughs> than the rest. I'm just saying it's a different experience. There's like an arc yeah. to comments. And by three or four weeks is when you start getting the well actually or i hated this or uh mm-hmm. whatever it would be so there's a weird arc to comments but that also tracks with like the fulfillment and sense of completion that i feel when i've made the thing hmm. lasts a good three four days yeah Maybe i would say two or three days it's it's this bright shiny but, wonderful feeling yeah and it's like well okay but that's just part of the human experience yeah, we do something is. that feels good for a while then i'm like okay what's next what when when where do we go now yeah but it, like it's just all part of it the the inevitability of time means that nothing if you 
are not filled up and complete already, nothing you do is going to fill you up. Nothing is going exactly. to, to, to complete you permanently or or whatever. If you if you like that sense of self and that sense of completion and self care and all of that, which I am miserable at. Uh, uh, it's, I've gone through phases in my life of trying to have, make relationships the thing that, that did that. And well, that didn't work. And then trying to make work the thing that did that, because at least that wasn't as volatile as relationships. Like work is completely under my control, but it doesn't, it's, right. it doesn't do that. You know, like it never, there's a nice sense of pride and, and completion and all of that. But that sense of like, I'm Okay. Yeah, I I'm okay. Yeah. I'm a good, uh, yeah. you know. I'm good, or I'm a, a redeemable, or whatever it may be. Is like is always fleeting because, you know, after a week, you're a week out from that, and and now what have it's, you done? It's, it's almost like we become so like accustomed to like it's kind of like this. This is a weird analogy, but like. No matter how much you love chick chicken, you're eventually gonna get sick of eating, <laughs> eating chicken, right? So it's kind of like even though you do this big shiny great thing and you put it out into the world and and it's great, you kind of like okay, well I kind of want a burger, burger now. Let's go and get a burger. Like yeah. it's yeah. that was a weird analogy, no, 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 but I, I, yeah. I think you know what I'm trying yeah. trying to say. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, we're always looking forward to to the next thing, big because. It's like I don't know that little do- dopamine kick or ser- ser- serotonin kick, whatever it is, only lasts for a little while. I'm like, okay, we gotta go and get some something else. Now. Yeah, I just and if like you know, I'm so, I'm someone who deals with a void that I'm throwing things into inside myself, and that mm-hmm. works for a couple of days, yeah. and then it starts to wear off, and then the you know mm-hmm. the the thing that's permanent is the void, not not the. You know, there will never be enough videos that I can throw into that uh, hole, and so right. that's something that I'm I'm addressing, trying to address in other ways, uh, in healthier ways, and so forth. And I'll be interested to see what the work is like uh, mm. uh, when that changes. But right. um, anyway, Dara, we got a little far afield of your yeah. question, your question there. But I thought I, I loved your question, and I loved the, the details mm. that you included, and I thought it would be. It would uh, make for interesting conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, Dara, just know we see you and we feel you and mm-hmm. we we believe in you. And yeah, let let us know how it goes. Yeah. Uh, the, um, uh, you meant you you said you had uh, figure out what you want to do. Um, that was the other part of your question. And the way I did that was by just throwing as much against the wall and seeing what stuck. Um, yeah, I am a, a huge advocate of doing that. The year that I had when I was figuring those things out, I bought an electric piano and started learning to play the piano. I started writing a novel. I bought a boat, and hmm. I wrote Why You Should Watch Buffy. Uh, that is definitively throwing as much as possible against... Uh, the, I don't recommend yeah. the boat way the way I did it. There's a different video of that if you have any don't do, that. That. don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, 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 yeah. don't get a don't, boat. Don't do what I did. <laughs> don't be like me. But um, in terms of just trying as much as possible and like, what do I know about baking or writing music or... Well, nothing. That's the point. You don't know yeah. if you don't like it. You don't know if you do like it. So So... 
you know, start uh, that. Like, that was my way to 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 figure that part of things out. And uh, as, as cliche as it sounds, do what makes you feel good. If it yeah. makes you happy and give gives you a buzz, go for it. Whatever it is. Yeah, and and for me, I had just watched Buffy. I was dealing with a lot of um, depression and and like, well, who am I and what is my life for and all of this. And Buffy is a show with a very specific perspective on those things and a very rich philosophy. And I thought that if I could understand that and in a way where I could write it and share with other people that I would also be able to internalize some of that and um, enrich my own life with those things. And that's pretty much what happened uh, uh, in doing it. Uh, that was my kind of driving force for that. And the other part of your question uh, was how to market yourself in your channel. I am abysmal at that. Um, <laughs> I am the world's worst marketer. Uh, um, you know, uh, 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 yeah, I love you, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't Patreon with the best of them. Um, I don't. No do any of those things everything all of my growth has been organic word of mouth or um the toolbox like, fallacy you know i mean it took you long long enough just to get merch <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um um but from what i hear uh one of the big keys is collaborations is um reaching out to other people who do what you do and seeing if they're interested in you know, um, overlap, doing videos, say yes to podcasts, say yes to invitations, try and say yes. I mean, the general rule of thumb on if you're doing YouTube is, um, you know, people with roughly the same subscribers say yes to other people with roughly the same subscribers. But sometimes you get lucky and someone with a lot more uh, is taken by what you're doing and and um, uh, is interested in having you on. But the biggest thing is the work. 100% the biggest thing is the work and regularity, and I struggle with regularity. I think I do good work. I think um, it's very irregular. And if I was, if my bottom line was growth subscribers and and all of that, it would behoove me to be at least bi-weekly, if not weekly, with the releases. But I don't know. You don't want to turn it into just a soulless, like, financial thing? No. a chore, you know, it's it's not about no. That. But if I it's could, being... if I could do, if I could figure out a way to do it the way that I do it, yeah, and to have them release in every two weeks, <laughs> absolutely. Well, well, you have the the best of in- intentions, Ian, and that's all that, that matters. <laughs> that and a dollar. Anyway, Dara, I hope that um, that answers some of your questions. I've also written. Uh, a medium article about this, I believe, that is more specific with more details about the way I script and sort of what I do. And I'll include that in the show notes, but I appreciate your question. Uh, and finally, apropos of absolutely nothing, I thought we would talk <laughs> about fa- fashion. Fashion, how we look pretty. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. wear funny t shirts. I'm the funny t shirt guy. I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> Yeah, um, obviously most of our comments here are going to be specific to our experience as mm-hmm. mostly straight white guys, I would say. Uh, yep. uh, so uh, I'm not speaking broadly, but I was just—I've just been thinking about this recently, and this applies to 
well, I'll tell you about it in a minute. Um, but my dad, growing up, told me repeatedly as a as a, uh, as a teenager and younger that uh, fashion it was a sham. They just change it. You, you buy all this crap, and then they change it uh, so that you have to buy more stuff. And he had the same red plaid wool suit in his closet. For he probably still has uh, <laughs> that that suit in his closet. Um, when I was a junior in high school, we used to go to movies together, and he would wear wool socks that he tucked his sweatpants into, and blue canvas boat shoes with a Cubs hat. And I would be so mortified that I would walk several feet behind him as a teenage boy who was trying to look cool or whatever okay. the hell it was at the time. Yeah. Uh, now I find it just deeply endearing, and I wish my dad was here so I could hug him uh, to no end. <laughs> um, but I never really de- developed taste. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I know what you mean. And- like, I, I struggle with the same... Um, thing like I've got I've got styles that I like and everything, but I'm not very good at like oh that will look great on me that will go with my go, eyes yeah and, go great with this shirt I mean like yeah like I, would, I suck at that I would say taste in furniture taste in mm. decorating like I I yeah. never developed that muscle same uh, it's so weird <laughs> like I can I have an appreciation of it but I just it's like I don't know how to do it I, myself I know when know? other people look good. Yeah, <laughs> like I know, I know when other people yeah. look good. I look at them and I'm like, "Wow, they're just looking or fancy." I, or I have the off, like the often experience I have is when I get dressed up and I think I look good. I look in the mirror. and I'm like, <sighs> "Okay, well, you tried, Jack. You you tried. That's all that matters." Yeah, my I just. <laughs> And I have three older sisters, so you think I would have learned something, but I, I, I didn't. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, like, like, I, what we mean by that is like, there's a different standard for at least. I, I'm not saying there should be, but there's a different standard mm-hmm. for boys than there is for girls, and I frankly think yeah. that's to boys' detriment. Uh, like like boys boys can have bum chic and it's uh it's a uh, part possible some yeah, sometimes yeah, you know? uh, like like uh, we'll just just put a hat on it and it's fine you know some yeah, smelly just shirt make sure the, the hair floor. is brushed and there's mi- minimal stains on the shirt and you're good to go yeah you and know? now now here's the thing I'm 40 I'm not speaking for the current generation I have no idea what it's like for a teenage boy now. I'm mm-hmm. saying, like, when I was a teenager in the 90s, uh, there was, there's just, uh, whether it's unfair or not, I, I think, like, just guys are, are not culturally or personally driven to put as much emphasis on preparation and quality. That is absolutely true, yeah. 100%. Now, so here's the consequence, like, uh, uh, now this is not true of all guys. Uh, but, uh, that's true. Uh, you know, there's metrosexuals out there and people that love to my, like dress dress up and look pretty. And to be clear, I am one of them. I just don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> well, my friend, my friend Ryan, uh, uh, who has made an appearance on this podcast, um, we, I think we met when we were 16, and I very distinctly remember him going through a phase junior or senior year in high school where he was like i'm just gonna i'm i want to look 
I'm just going to figure this out. Like, and he started figuring out his hair and he started figuring out his signature. He's got the most beautiful signature for a man I've ever seen. Uh, but he, he cognitively decided to go on this big exploratory phase Mm-hmm. To 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 try different fashions. He bought. I remember so specifically. He bought Ray Ban sunglasses oh, that were wow. really stylish oh. and expensive because he kept losing sunglasses. So he's like, "Well, I figured if I spend a bunch of money on sunglasses, <laughs> like I won't lose on, them." On a pair of sunnies. Yeah, and then he lost those <laughs> sunglasses, but not before I stole them from him on a regular basis and wore them inside around high school. Uh, I think I... uh, all the time. I never did that, but I went into like like I I, I try I tried to follow some fashion trends like in the mid two thousands when I was in high school it was um uh, visors were really uh popular you know those hats that are like it's basically only a brim and then like a band that go goes around the the, the rest of your uh, head yeah. and I, I I bought one of those I spent like seventy dollars on a rip curl visor and I. <laughs> I regret it now because, like, I don't care. I don't. I don't. I mean, that's like, the trick, whatever. right? Is like caring. Is is caring. Yeah. I, and I remember Ryan bought like five or six different varieties of cologne, and one day mm-hmm. he he come. I'm, we're hanging out, and he's like, "Here, take this." And uh, he hands me this thing, Polo Sport, and he says, "I think I like Dracoir Dracar Noir more, and maybe <laughs> you need to up your scent game." <laughs> and I was like, okay, that we were 17, 18 years old. That bottle of Polo Sport is upstairs in the drawer uh, in the bathroom. Wow. I've had it for 23 years. Probably gone bad now. <laughs> yeah, and I put it on maybe once a year, and I'm like, why does it smell so burny? It probably <laughs> smells, it smells like eggs now. <laughs> yeah. So, Jack, I was hanging out with my girlfriend. <laughs> Oh, really? Tell me more. Your, your girlfriend, huh? I don't know anything about her. What, who? You have a girlfriend? All right, all right, all right. Like, but I was, I've just been thinking about these things because my urge to look, you know, you want to look good and you want to look sexy. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and, and those impulses have kind of gone through the roof. You said, you're talking about, like, I just don't care. And 99% of the time, I just don't care. But the problem is, well, like... These events, these moments come up where I'm like, well, now I really care and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm the funny shirt can, guy. Can I just say, though, what I meant when I said I don't care is I don't care about fashion trends oh, now. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I don't care about wearing what all the other pe- people are wearing. When I when I bought that rip, rip, rip curl visor, I was just wanting to fit in. That's yeah. all. And it, it actually... Well, tre- trends are in. one thing, but like <laughs> figuring out uh, whatever your fashion identity is, yeah. like with a, what that's a tricky what, one. What makes you feel confident, or what makes you feel mm-hmm. sexy, or what makes you feel, um, you know, hot, or whatever it is, is like that's that's a journey. And the thing is, is like we were talking a moment ago about doing that creatively, you know. Like throwing right. a bunch of things against the wall and seeing what sticks, and then right, yeah, uh, uh, and figuring that out. And Ryan did that at seventeen or sixteen when we were boys, and that has carried into adulthood. Where I'm like, Ugh, he's so fucking odd. I hate him. Like you know, I with great love and affection, I say for Ryan because uh, uh, you know he's one of my besties. But that, I'm just saying, like. 
now I'm at this point where I'm 40, and I'm like, mm-hmm. how did I become the? F- when did I make the decision to become the funny shirt guy? And was that a decision? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. and, and 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 wanting to make adjustments and wanting to change this, and especially like the thing about, uh, especially being low income. Like I know there are st- there's a whole strategy to doing it well, and to, to oh yeah. You know, in the States, yeah, go it's to going to Goodwill and go to thrift lot. stores. Yeah. And th- or op shops, as we call them over here. And there's no shame in that, man. You no, can get some really all. good stuff. Not at all. Yeah. You know, I'm, uh, that, that's what I'm saying is like, but there is a, it's like, it's like never having cooked for, you know, and then, and then realizing yeah. like, that's a skill I probably should have developed. And how do I do and that? Honestly, Cook for one. I, I get the majority of my clothing from K- Kmart. This shirt I got from Kmart. Yeah. No shade. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's, yeah. it's just all about um, what it's all about. Occasionally, that identity. I'll buy some nice stuff, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all it's it's all about figuring out what makes you feel good. And I've just I'm just in yeah. a weird situation where I I, I figured right. I'd share. I just recently noticed I'm like, oh, I need to I need to up my game a little bit. So. What would you say is like your style? What kind of like um, attire do you like? What kind of attire do I like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what? If you had like an unlimited budget and could wear whatever the hell you you wanted, what what would you wear? This is the other thing too. I'm watching Justified, and there's a character in the show Boyd Crowder, who is I haven't seen it. it, uh, He's the he's the big bad of the show. It's a Western okay. show told in modern times, and so Boyd is the okay. black hat. But he is such a dandy. He's such a you know he's got he wears the vest, uh, oh, yeah. and with the pocket watch chain, and he wears shirt buttoned up to the collar, and he looks oh. so. Walton Goggins plays. Uh, Walton Goggins is amazing. Yeah. I love that man. And his oh. hair is insane. It's. You know, it looks like he put in mousse or hairspray or gel or whatever. Like, see, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Especially with this yeah, hair, don't I don't know. <laughs> whatever it yeah. is, it looks good. But he like, and then just took a comb and goes straight out. He looks like he stuck it in an electrical electrical socket. But he's so right. confident and he wears it so mm-hmm. sexy that it's like, well, of course, that's Boyd's hair. Of course, like <laughs> right. he owns it. That's the identity part of what I'm talking about. Where right. You know, he's got this thing going on. And uh um and and that may have been part of the trigger recently too, where I just got swept up in thinking about like mm, <laughs> I wanna look like Boyd. I mean he's a waif yeah. and I'm a giant, so you know, a little <laughs> bit different. A little bit different, yeah. but that's that's an no, excuse to not try what I just did. Right. I think what, what is your idea? Huh? What do you what do you say is like what is your food fashion? Like what do you do when you want to look good? So it's it's funny. I think you and I have a similar idea there. Like um like when I was younger, I didn't really put much uh care into my my clothing or my appearance or whatever. And then when I became a teenager, my idea of dressing up was just wearing a band shirt. I mean, I'm wearing a band shirt right right now. It's the the Beatles. So yeah. obviously, I still wear a lot of band shirts, and I also have a thing for the funny shirts. I'm a funny shirt guy, <laughs> I'm a funny guy shirt myself. Guy. <laughs> or nerdy shirt, uh, those those kinds of things. But um. 
as as I've gotten gotten older, I've I've, I've developed a taste for, I, I guess, finer, more formal looking uh, attire. I guess now, yeah. ob- obviously, people don't often see me wearing that stuff, but because it tends to be more on the the expensive side. But I like the sort of um nineteen thirties nineteen forties kind of um fashion like uh yen yen or trouser braces and flat caps and fedoras and like ties and yeah. i love that old timey sort of formal kind of um yeah that sort of stuff and i do dress like that from time to, to to time it's just there's a time and a place for it i guess and it's often those those kinds of clothing are quite quite expensive um but um and and Funnily enough, I was think, thinking about it while we were pre- preparing uh, the notes and everything for the for the show. I got that. I think I got that from Marilyn Manson. Funnily huh. enough, right? <laughs> Let me explain. So, Marilyn Manson, with each our album cycle, he changes his complete look, vibe, everything. Like you, you can say that every album cycle ha- has a theme. And in I want to say two thousand two or three. He released an album called The Golden Age of Grotesque. And I was really into Manson at the time. I, I, I was 15. I was very much a, a goth myself. And I thought Marilyn Manson was the smartest, coolest pe- person in the world. <laughs> but um, the aesthetic of that a- album cycle was like 1930s, ni- 1940s cabaret. So like, you know, you know, like trow- trouser slacks and like suits and like fancy looking clothing. And I'm pretty sure that's where I got it from. And I think it's something that's like stayed, stayed with, with me. So yeah, Marilyn Manson influenced my taste in fashion. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Yeah. Like where, wherever it comes from, you know, Mm. um, I honestly, I don't think I have any traceable. Okay. You know, I, I, I've got nothing, by the way too, I'm not, this is not, um, I'm not, putting this out there is like when i say like i want to look sexy or i want to i'm not saying i'm not sexy uh, oh you're you know. very sexy Thank you. you're very i'm not sexy. saying i'm not <laughs> handsome i'm not saying i'm not uh a good looking dude because i wear funny <laughs> shirts that's, uh, no i get it like like yeah. i wore this denim jackety button-up shirt because i wanted to look good for the podcast yeah. like i couldn't it, i'm not cold i could take a, this off and a, be fine but about, i'm wearing it because i think it looks good it's about it, it, it's not about like i'm not saying that that this is terrible or whatever like this mm-hmm. thing i put out into the world or, or whatnot it's just about the feeling like the confidence in the and the composed identity uh, uh, that makes you feel good, and I'm just saying, I, I, yeah. it's weird. Uh, getting to this point in my life and being and realizing I never, I didn't spend enough time figuring that out. It's very, right. very, 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 very easy to devalue those things, and unfairly, it's very, especially Certainly. if you're a the kind of um intellectual head up his own ass uh uh teenager 20 year old i was where it's like well these things aren't important or these things don't it's like if i could go back there's so many reasons i would go back and punch young me in the face and same yeah (laughs) me me not not you not young you but i punch myself in the face well we couldn't we can strangers on a train our younger selves at some point crisscross (laughs) but the um uh 
Yeah, I definitely just was like, well, I have more important things to... What I don't know what kind of idiotic thing where I was like acting superior about not spending mm-hmm. time developing my, uh, the look that could have aided my confidence, which has become one of the greatest battles I've had to deal with in my entire right. life, okay. which is like right. self-confidence and poise and... Um, you know, uh, the, and the things that go along with that, anxiety and, right. and and all of that. And I'm not saying this would have been a fix for any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, cumulatively, all of these things make a difference, yeah. right? Yeah. It very, it, it very much uh, became apparent to me as a teenager. As, as I said, I was right into Marilyn Manson. I, and, I, and I was a goth from the age of, like, 14 up until, like, 20 21 22 around there and um i'm talking like makeup everything black lipstick eyeshadow (laughs) paint painted my my nails and everything so i became very not like concerned with 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 how i how i looked but i became um i developed uh, a look at which i wanted to present myself a way that i wanted to present myself um and I still sort of have an interest in, in that stuff. Honestly, the reason I stopped being goth was because I was terrible at, at applying <laughs> make- makeup. I, I did not look look good. There's um pictures out there that exist and I don't don't have access to that. I wish, like, I have no shame. I'm not ashamed of it. I would plaster it all over the internet if I still still had those uh pictures. I remember it was um my year ten formal, which is kind of like 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 a prom for you guys over over there. Um, me and a few of these other uh, goth dudes, I knew we all made this pact that we were gonna go to the the uh, formal gothed up, and everybody chickened out except for me. The other guys <laughs> didn't come, but I just thought, fuck it, I, I I'm gonna do this. So I plastered myself in makeup and I was still wearing a nice suit it was a nice suit and I made a top hat out of just like cardboard and like material that I like glued to and everything was probably looked uh, terrible terrible but I remember I got out of the the the, the, uh, car and I didn't see who said it but 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 I I heard heard this female voice go oh my god look at Jack Oh my god! And I got a lot of weird looks, and um, um, uh, my science te- 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 teacher came up to me and was like, "Oh, Jack, you look very interesting. Uh, what, what's this all about?" And um, and but dude, I had a great time, and I freaking loved it. And no, I know ew. I probably looked terrible, but I do not regret it whatsoever. Not at all. Yeah, it's. But I I think that that is so admirable. You know, I think that that that. Uh, uh, decisive sort of uh, uh, um, expressionism mm. uh, is great. It's great. Thanks, man. Yeah, I love I, it. Um, there are photos of it somewhere, but I don't ha- have them, unfortunately. I would love. Oh, I wish so much I had them. Like, <laughs> um. My mom, um, my my mom, kind of struggled with it when I sent her <laughs> pictures of my what? my formal. She was like, 
it's not you. And I'm like, and me being, you know, 15, 16 yeah. years old and right into like, um, like, like a self, self, self-establishment and just all this, like, um, I don't know, I guess I had a persona going on. I was like, yes, it is mom. It's the real me. It's me. <laughs> well, I think that, 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 um, upsetting parents, as I understand it is part of the intent of young anti-establishment, yeah. cultures that 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 we all sort of cluster into yeah um she did have rebellion, some of the uh, photos but um last time i asked her for them uh she couldn't find them uh-huh. so i don't know maybe maybe she threw them away on purpose no i'm kidding yeah. my, my mother loves me she might watch this so mom i love you i'm sorry <laughs> please don't be angry well we're uh we are 20 minutes over two hours Oh wow! Uh, pretty good stuff. So let's uh, go ahead and wrap up before we get to the mm-hmm. um, par the fan fiction reading uh, today. Uh, by the way, I I have no um, <clears throat> there's no closure to that uh, the questions of fashion that uh, I've been yeah. raising recently. But it does you know it like. I, we opened the podcast by talking about you know the, uh, doing the right thing for the wrong reasons is still doing the right thing. So it's like you know I'm all for pursuing these things and 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 pursuing confidence and completion and and all of that for yourself because you should mm-hmm. be doing those for you th- uh, for yourself. Absolutely, that's the right reason to do things. Is exactly is there is no right or wrong comes answer into, to it. Yeah, if someone comes into your life and you're like, oh, I have not really been thinking about composition or the way I look or anything like that for years. Mm-hmm. It's like that's still the right thing to to be doing and considering and all of that it's and not not, as long as it's not in like a self-punishment or 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 kind of way but it's like i want to look good i want uh so how do i do that well realizing i don't know the answer that question uh uh is a thing that's all i was talking about you know yeah um uh, and i i i i i think those things doing those things for their own sake is a healthy good thing to do but i also don't scoff at those things coming along because the wrong quote-unquote wrong reason uh uh spurred them in your life you know that because someone else comes along you want to look good for them and you're like oh yeah you know anyway that was only that was my only my point about that and i and i just want to add too if Wearing a pink sparkly tutu or an old ugly gray sweater makes you feel feel beautiful and confident and good. Just go for it, and who cares what any, anyone else says? Be goth, Jack. Just go <laughs> to that formal and just do your thing. <laughs> yeah, you do you. I'm just saying that I find myself in a. Uh, a it, it's like the comfort versus, you know, comfort. Uh, uh, this, this sort of space of like, oh, I. It's not that I didn't try. Don't try. I just never really made choices when it came to these Same, kinds of yeah. things, and, and now it's... ended up in a position where I'm like, "What the hell is my look?" Yeah, and like I touched on, like I, I, I have a taste, but I just don't know how to do it. 
I like looking good, but yeah. I just don't know how to... I know to, when someone yeah. else looks good, I don't know how to yeah. get this to that, you know? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm completely clueless. I need a makeover big time. Yeah. I need I, Queer Eye or something. I have used uh, um, Stitch Fix and all of that, and, and, and I think those services are wonderful if you can afford them. Uh, absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think I'm a big believer in, in those services. If you don't have any taste or style, if you haven't developed your own sense of taste and style, I think, I don't see any harm in borrowing someone else's. Um, so I think that's a good thing. But anyway, um, before we get into the, um, fanfic reading, uh, this week goals, uh, for the upcoming week, I've been working out a ton recently. I don't know why, but yeah, I do. It's this whole thing about wanting, yeah, like, <laughs> Um, you want to look good for your girlfriend. I want to look good naked. <laughs> I don't see the problem yeah. with that. Uh, uh, I bought some wrist weights, and it, it's like it's mid high nineties here in Colorado. And Colorado's been more humid uh, year over year recently, which is very strange. But I my go to form of exercise is running, and I'm not going for a run in the nineties, and I'm not going for midnight runs. So um, I've been playing a lot of Beat Saber. Uh, Me too. Which I've streamed a couple of times, and Creed and Beat Saber on Expert Plus is an incredible wow. workout. <laughs> I uh, bet it is. And I bought wrist weights, uh, you know, light starter wrist weights to uh, increase the muscle strain, and it's been it's been a ton of fun. And I have been sore, you know. Um, yeah. I have. Yeah, my back's been stiff, uh, a lot of things. So it's been it's been good. I'm going to be doing more of that this week. Um, yeah. I'm going to be working on the fanfic reading catch-up video, which will be chapters 11 through 25 uh, tomorrow in part of editing this podcast. And as for the rest of the week, I'm trying to finish the Fool for Love script, which I've been letting ruin my life. And... Uh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, things need to change. I need this needs to not be what it is. Such a big deal. Uh, yeah, yeah, this needs to be something different. Or an ordeal, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the whole problem. Like uh, when these things are so defining and so um, tied to identity that they can't just be what they are. It's like, mm. well, I'm failing. I'm like, job. It's like, no. Ian, I believe in you, buddy. I, you are going to knock it out of the park because you always do. I, I, always. I love you too. <laughs> um, I'm also playing Metro Last Light. I finished Uncharted Lost Legacy, which was the DLC for Uncharted 4. It was gorgeous. Um, it's uh, the two... Uh, you play as the two... Um, Two of the women from the Uncharted series, um, Chloe, who, uh, and I can't remember the other character's name, but they're, they're a ton of fun. Lots of great banter. And Last Light is interesting, uh, fun, little clunky, and I'm tired of beige apocalypses at the moment because Jack, you and I have been playing, also playing Gears of War 1, which is yeah. like a beige bro apocalypse uh, game. It's it's very bro, isn't it? It's, it's very so bro. bro. You know, I was like, um, what, what, what was the the comment we were having? Like, like, why do all these guys have soul patches and they're shouting yeah, all the and time? They're like and chunky so dudes, chunky and I'm not talking like they're like big, muscly, like ape like men. It's crazy. Yeah, and I was like, 
what was it we were saying to each other? It's like we could we could have been these guys, Jack. Can you imagine if we were these guys instead of you know huggy crazy? Like types? no, we couldn't. No, we couldn't. <laughs> I don't know. No, it, it's sort of like the masculine power fantasy taken to a hundred. I mean, they're more curvy yeah. than Arnold in Predator. And we were actually, um, was it yesterday or the day before, we were watching um, the uh, trailers for uh, for all of those uh, games. And uh, the trailer for the, for the first one, um, it's very uh, famous, the, the music used was Mad World yeah. by Gary, Gary Jewell. And it's such a beautiful song, but it is not... Like that that trailer misrepresents the game completely. I mean that's like, just, yeah, that's a big criticism of those. What's funny too is that by the third game, I think the indie artistic aesthetic of the trailers started to in they started trying to have that inform the storytelling yeah. of the third game. Yeah. And it yeah, doesn't work for me at all. The, the trailer makes you think that you're in for an emotional ride, and you're not. It's just it's just bros blowing shit up in and first killing one, monsters. Definitely, and then uh, yeah. I think they tried to reach, and in my opinion, uh, it doesn't work. But we'll see if we we play that. But mm. uh, what have you been up to this week? Uh, well, firstly, um, I've more or less finished the the most recent round of uh, paid Patreon bonuses. Uh, there, there's one or two left to finish off from from this round. I think there are and special exceptions, though. We got Ulysses yeah. delivered, and uh, everyone contacted in the ten dollar and up club for the yep. new request. And we've and we've got a whole whole bunch of new uh, re- requests. So I'll, I'll be getting um, on on top of those very very soon. Um, also, I mentioned before uh, the idea of uh, work, working on my own uh, video and. I'm going to put some more work into that. I do have, I've got a, a, Google, a Google Doc with a whole bun, bunch of ideas down. So it's a work in pro, pro progress. I'm I'm going to get there. Um, yeah, I'm going to do some work, work on that. Um, I've also been uh, playing Beat, Beat Saber uh, recently. I on, only so just fun. got it. Like, a, It's so addictive. Yeah. It's crazy addictive. Yeah. Um, it's one of those uh, ones that I've been meaning to get for for ages because uh, the Oculus Quest came with the uh, demo, so I played the crap out of the the uh, de- demo, and so yeah, I finally got it. And then I saw that there is a Green Day uh, music uh, pack, and I love Green Green Day, so I down downloaded that, and I'm addicted to uh, one of the songs on, on there is Minority, and just the map and the way it is, it's so much frick freaking fun, and I want to. I've gotten uh, um, S, the grade S on normal difficulty. Yeah. I want to get to like expert and get better and better and better at that. It's but, so oh, satisfying. It's just... Rhythm games are a bizarre yeah. phenomena. You know, I understand yeah. that. I, I don't understand why they're fun, but they're so fun. Yeah. Yeah. And like. I just like, especially playing um, minority. I'm swinging around. I'm singing, singing along, and I'm just like, it's just, it feels like dancing. And I'm not a dancer. I don't dance, but I feel like I'm dancing and I'm having fun while I'm doing it too. It's it's Uh, weird. I love, you know, it's funny. One of the uh, the teenagers that I live with heard that I work out in VR, and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, it's so effective. Had some disparaging uh, things to say about that as a thing and i was just really? i was just saying well you know 15 14 uh, yeah, 13 14 it. years but, old like 
you the know. thing I love about it is it, it's a great way to trick your brain into thinking you are not exercising. Right. Well, that's the thing is yeah. like, you know, she's young enough that she has not experienced the slide into decrepitude that occurs when <laughs> your immune system starts to go, not your immune right. system, your uh, uh, digest. I know what you're uh, saying. Ability to pr- eat, like, you can eat, I could eat a large pizza when I was a teenager mm. and not, I just incinerated food. You know, same, and then same. you sort of get older, and it's like, oh, there is an obesity epidemic, and like yeah. everyone is struggling to to be he- feel healthy. Or you eat a bunch confident. of KFC and feel feel like crap for two two days afterwards. Yeah, but it was um, so delicious. I've been eating tons yeah. of ice cream. Uh, no, actually, KFC. I think the idea of eating KFC is better than than the act of actually e- eating it. Bite your tongue. Every time I think, yeah, KFC, this this is gonna be uh, great. A couple of bite yeah. bites in, I'm like, why am I doing this? Yeah, that, this that, is that not fun at all. That happens to me with all. Taco Bell. That doesn't that doesn't happen to me with KFC. See, we don't have ta- Taco Bell here. Well, I think we do now, but it's very new. I still haven't had it. But I'm a type two diabetic, so I'm yeah, not gonna have it. Yeah, that's the thing is, I cannot think of anyone in my life that doesn't struggle with food or weight in some way. Anyone yeah, in same. my life. Mm. Same. Even like there are people that I have have the opposite prob- problem that we do that they're too 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 skinny and 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 they struggle to put on weight and be be yeah, healthy. Yeah, I mean, it, whatever whatever it, whatever it may be, it's like uh, uh, you know. It's just a mm. thing. It's a thing we, as a culture, uh, all suffer, suffer from. People, uh, every and uh, and people among us to varying degrees of right. of you know some people uh, mm. uh, really have a lot of baggage to deal with around it. But even if you don't, you're still struggling because it's just so easy to eat poorly and to 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 have a desk, sit at a desk or whatever it is. So like. Mm-hmm. When she said that, I was just thinking to myself, it's like she has not gone through that uh, experience of having to find the exercise you can live with, you know, right, it, it's yeah. like, um, which to me is the trick is, is mm. the best diet is the one that you can succeed at. You know, the best exactly. exercise is the one that doesn't feel like exercise, you know, that feels yeah, like joy, and- unless you're a very specific type like mm. that that got uh, got lucky enough to love exercising yeah. for its own sake but that to me is very right, feels yeah. like an exception yeah and like like personally i really hate the idea of like strict diets to me that's um i don't know there's just something about it that makes me feel kind of un- uneasy i prefer just making health healthier choices in eating better rather than just a strict diet because a strict diet i mean unless you have health health reasons like 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 me and you have to have a strict 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 diet sure but i just feel like it's um eating eating is it's 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 one of the the pleasures of life right, right? and you don't want to turn it into like a chore or something that you hate or something that you even feel feel bad about doing. That's not right. That's not that's not healthy. I think 
what I'm trying to say is like strict dieting can lead to some un unhealthy ways of, of of dealing and living and what. Well, I mean, um, we're, but that, that's we're, a whole different. We're speaking just for ourselves too. Like I, we acknowledge we are not dietitians or particularly versed no, no, in no, this, no, no, and no. we acknowledge that everyone yeah. is in a different position and and yeah, yeah. May and I'm just talking from from my own per right. pers personal experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to say one way or the other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, other, other than that, yeah, um, hopefully you and I will finish Gears of Gears of War. I think we're over half, halfway through it, through well it now. So yeah, we're on the last act. And, and we've had like three sessions of playing it. It's, it's, it, it's, it's so, not hard. It's so funny too. Uh, but I mean like that also points to you're kind of enjoying yourself, aren't you? You hate it. Yeah. But you're kind That's, of enjoying oh, yourself. That's I absolutely gears. would not play it alone because yeah. it just hasn't aged well. Um, now I, I I love shoot shooters. I would say a lot a lot more than you do, right? Yeah. Um, but it just so this this game came out in 2006, and we are playing a remaster of it, but it still feels like a game it looks from pretty, 2006. But it feels like an old game. Yeah, it's clunky. The physics are very slow. Um, but that's gears. And it's like driving a truck. I'm, I mean, I play a lot of um, like a Battlefield where it's all very fast and fluid and um, stuff, stuff like that. I play, I play shooters that are for the for the most part more like based in based in reality, I guess. And so they they try to try to go for realism sure. rather than. Yeah, like blood just spraying around the place, and yeah, if, it's fun. Don't get me wrong; I love Doom. Doom is incredible. Don't don't get me wrong, but um, well, Doom's wave. Yeah, yeah. Gears is know. hard to explain. Like, I told you when we started, I was like, now before yeah. you play a second of this, I'm going to tell you, you're going to hate yeah. this. Yes, for yes, the good, and I do the first I two do, three but... hours, and then like hour four, you're going to be like, oh, I'm having fun. Yeah, and you won't well, know why. I'm having fun, but I, I still kind of hate hate it too. Like I don't know, it's so weird. Gears is like um, the rolling coal. But I get video to spend game. some time with my uh, bestie, and we get to work work on a game to, together. So yeah. But there, but it's not just that. There's something about Gears that is fun. Uh, you know, it, it's but something it's satisfying very about, it, hard about it to put your finger on. Maybe it's yeah. the design of the world is interesting, feels unique. I don't know. Yeah. But it's just it's so funny like how bad that game is, but it's still uh not bad, but just how off putting it can be. But I right. still am like yeah. well, let's do one more level. Yeah, it's such an odd one. Yeah. It's such an odd one. It's yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, I mentioned at the start of the uh, po podcast, I've been dealing with some uh, COVID fatigue again. And so a big part of some something that I need to focus on right now is just kind of uh, relaxing and I guess reminding myself of all the good things in life and all the reasons why we keep going, all the things that make it worth being alive. So I'm going to... Yeah, and no, I reach out to, to some family and friends and just hang out, do some fun stuff and just remind myself that everything will will be okay, will I be guess. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. All right, well, um, before I give, before we get into the fanfic reading, I just want to let you know that I'm at Ian Nitram on Twitter and YouTube.com slash Passion of the Nerd. 
And I am lack of su- surprise one on Twitter. That's all one word with the number one at the end. And you can also find me over on our Discord server. I'm Jack Spraddington over there. And uh, you can also join our fa- Facebook group. I am also in, in, in that. Uh, it's uh, The Passionate Nerds. If you search it, you should be able to find it. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast um, or the channel and keep us flush in wool socks and boat shoes, you can do so at patreon.com slash passion of the nerd with the $5 and up club. You can join us in the hangout uh, in just under two weeks time where we'll be discussing the season four finale restless. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. Um, uh, you can also support us by grabbing yourself something from the online store over at uh, passionofthenerd.com forward slash store. We have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, and phone cases. We currently don't have any podcast-specific merch, but it's something we've been ta- talking about for a li- little bit, and yeah, maybe we we'll figure it. something out there. Yeah, I'm bad at um, multitasking. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and if you're an Amazon Prime member, you may not realize this, but you can support us for free by using your monthly Amazon Prime Twitch subscription at twitch.tv slash thepassionofthenerd. And I have been streaming some of my Beat Saber workouts, uh, which are fun. I put on the text-to-speech um, uh, so that it reads me your comments while I'm wearing the VR headset and uh, try and have a conversation and... Uh, by the end, I look sweaty and ridiculous and uh, gross, and uh, it's—I suppose—it's the opposite of the way you're supposed to look when with these things. But who cares? That sounds hot. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe you're of that crowd too. <laughs> Whatever crowd you're in, you're welcome to, to to come hang and have a chat. I'll try and do two of them uh, this week, maybe one tomorrow, uh, which I could swing. All right. Let's get to the fanfic reading. Here is gone. By Terry Boda, Chapter 27. Spike, what's a one-word synonym for fear of heights? Dawn asked as she did her homework in his crypt. She was sitting cross-legged on his sarcophagus while he sprawled in his chair reading the newspaper. Acrophobia, he replied without hesitation, not even bothering to look up. What about fear of people? Anthropophobia. Wow, you knew that right off the top of your head. He flipped the page of the newspaper idly. What can I tell you, sweet bit? I'm a walking undead dictionary. I think it's cool you're so smart. I'll bet you were always smart. You just didn't want anyone to know. Got it in one, Niblet. You're too smart for me. Kids these days, I'll tell you. His comment made her laugh, and he had to bite the inside of his cheek to keep from smiling. She cast him a devilish look, and he flipped back her She cast him a devilish look and flipped back her hair. That's me, too smart Donnie. Okay, smarty, I've got one for you. What's amanthophobia? Fear of algebra? She piped back. Now he did laugh, and he let her see the humor dancing in his eyes. She preened, making him smile wider at her teenage antics. No bit. It's fear of dust, namely mine, which I am in danger of becoming if you don't finish your homework and toddle home soon. It's almost dark. She pouted, but returned to her work. Don't worry, I'm almost done. You'd better be. You've been here since you skipped last period. Her head shot up and she blushed furiously. I didn't, I I wasn't... Don't even try it, Bit. I may be a vampire, but I can tell time, and I do know what time little kiddies like you get out of school. 
You were here at least 40 minutes before that, ergo you skipped, he interrupted, giving her a knowing stare, one raised eyebrow included. She sighed and rolled her eyes. Okay, okay, busted. But it was your study hall, and I didn't want to spend 50 minutes reading Romeo and Juliet. Spike sat a little straighter at the mention of the bard, his newspaper forgotten. That's what they've got you reading in school, bit. Dawn shrugged. It's boring and impossible to read, and I've, like, seen the movie a gazillion times. He snorted in distaste. Movie? My only love sprung from my only hate, he thought to himself. Hey, do not knock Leonardo DiCaprio. He is, like, so hot. Oh, Leonardo, he said in high falsetto. He's so dreamy. I think I'm in love. Stop it ordered Dawn, but she was giggling. All right, all right. I shall not sully the holy name of Leo Nerdo DiCaprio. Spike. He snickered, but had to add, you do know that Shakespeare didn't write Romeo and Juliet out of his head, don't you? He didn't? Nope. He based it on an older story, an English translation of an Italian work called The Tragical History of Romeo and Juliet. Caused quite a scandal when he made the fair Julia at the tender age of 14 instead of 16, he informed. Ew! And they get married in the play? That's, like, gross, Dawn said, crinkling her nose. Spike shrugged. Folks married young and died young in those days, bit. Besides, he probably did it so he could use younger boys for the role of Juliet and make it more believable. Because women weren't allowed to act on stage. Precisely. That is, like, so weird. It was the Elizabethan era. They did a lot of weird things in those days. Yeah, like write those really boring plays that are impossible to read, she sighed dejectedly. Oh, but that's where you're wrong, Bit. Shakespeare never meant for his plays to be read. He meant for them to be heard and seen. When properly pr produced and read, Shakespeare's plays are some of the finest, most well-written works of art ever created. She seemed unconvinced, and he responded, recited Prospero's epilogue from The Tempest, the words falling from his tongue almost without his conscious thought. His mind was elsewhere, however, on a night set in a not-so-distant future when a sorrowful dawn, bereft of mother and sister, had sat with, him, sat with him in the living room of an empty house that had once been a home. That night it had been Hamlet, and he had tried to draw a smile to her worn face by acting out the part of the Danish prince in his manic state, welcoming the players and dancing about. She'd laughed, then. A thin and strained laugh, but a laugh nonetheless. So he had showered her the humor Shakespeare had written in The Murder of Polonius, and Hamlet's disposal of the body and subsequent interrogation. He was the only one who could make her smile, then, and she looked to him as the only thing keeping her sane. No one but her ever saw him when he let William out to play, out to recite prose and offer insights into English literature. It was their little secret, and they had guarded it carefully. While he knew that never having to go through the death of her mother and sister would be the greatest gift he could ever give the girl, he had come to view her as a little sister. He still sometimes mourned the loss of the closeness they had shared during the summer of Buffy's death. He hadn't let William out in decades, and the freedom had awakened emotions in him he had thought as dead as his soul. He would miss it. 
even though he knew it was a small price to pay. William lived full bore in him now, and only Giles knew he was there, looking through Spike's eyes, who would listen to him after he had succeeded in his mission, who would look at him as something other than a monster. Could any suffering or good deed ever atone for all the evil he'd done? Perhaps Prospero's soliloquy was more fitting than he'd imagined, and that was why the soul chose it to recite. Now I want spirits to enforce art to enchant, and my ending is despair, unless I be relieved by prayer, which pierces so that it assaults mercy itself and frees all faults. As you from crimes would pardon be, let your indulgence set me free, he finished to, to Don's shocked stare. Wow, uh, wow. He bowed his head, embarrassed, sorry. No, 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 don't apologize, that was beautiful. Thanks, he mumbled. You know all of that by heart? He shrugged, brushing off her awe-tinged stare. Know most of them by heart. At least my favorite parts. It's not that hard when it's something you like. I get that, she said seriously. I like how you talk to me like I can understand. Everyone else is acting all twitchy and weird, and I'm glad that you told me I could come here if it got too much for me. Thank you. I'm just trying to keep you safe. I know, and I feel safe with you. Before when he had said that, before when she had said that, he had been offended and annoyed, but now he was pleased. You're welcome, Bit. Now finish your homework, and I'll walk you home. Two hours later, an angry Buffy stormed into the crypt to find them sitting on top of the sarcophagus, candles illuminating the small space. There was an old, worn book in Spike's hand, and he was reading from it. Round about the cauldron go, in the poisoned entrails throw. Toad that under cold stone, days and nights has thirty-one. Sweltered venom, sleeping got. Boil thou first in the charmed pot, he recited in a false crotchety voice. Ew, Dawn said, squirming. Spike, Dawn, what the? Buffy demanded, looking at them in confusion. Buffy, Dawn greeted happily. Spike's reading Macbeth. Macwhat? Macbeth, you know, the play by Shakespeare, her sister clarified. Buffy gave Spike an incredulous look. Shakespeare? Yeah, it's the cursed play. Actors are afraid to call it by its real name. What are you doing here? Mom is worried sick, Buffy snapped. Dawn looked chagrined. Oh, I, I I came here after school. Spike said I could. Spike, Buffy said accusingly. He waited under the angry glare. I'm sorry. I was going to bring it home hours ago, but he trailed off. There wasn't much to say. At least you didn't catch at least she didn't catch me telling Niblet about my murder in that family and the little girl in the coal bin. Dawn, get your stuff. But but he's that's this really cool part. There's these three witches that I said, get your stuff. Dawn huffed and jumped down off the sarcophagus to gather her things, leaving Spike to face Buffy. I'm sorry Joyce was worried. I really was going to bring her home hours ago, he insisted. We didn't know where she was. She never came home from school. I told her she could hang out with me when you lot got too weird for her. I'm sorry, I don't have a phone. But you you do know she's safe with me, don't you? No one's going to snatch little s sis while Spike's on watch. 
The angry glare softened somewhat, and she relaxed slightly. I know, but things are very dangerous right now, Spike. Glory is out there, and so are the knights of hack and slash, and now some vamps killed six people on a train at Sunnydale Station. We can't be taking any unnecessary risks. Six people on a train, he thought, heart sinking. Drew. He sighed. I understand, and I'm sorry. He looked at her, wanting her to understand as well. But you have to know, Buffy, that this is really hard on her. It looks like she's taking it well, but she's got a lot of hurt inside, a lot of anger. She comes here to hang out and get away, and I don't mind. Not really. I know she's safe, and it's better than her being out there all by herself. He leaned close and whispered, Besides, I think she fancies me. Got a bit of a teenage crush. At her look of distaste, he pulled back and postured. Not that I blame her, mind you. I do have a devilish charm. He smoothed, giving her a wink. Touch my little sister, and I will hand you your privates on a platter. He threw up his hands in surrender. Just kidding, Slayer. Niblet's virtue is safe with me. Not only is she a bit young for me, but I don't fancy having to force Joyce... Having to face Joyce if her youngest gets compromised. No offense, Slayer, you're tough, but your mom wields a wicked axe. He knew she knew he was joking because the impish glint came into her eyes. Might give me a chance to use that axe you gave me for my birthday. What, you haven't used it yet? He gasped and mocked offense. Not much in the way of chopping going on lately. Not that I'm complaining. I've got enough to worry about, you know. He nodded. I know. Okay, I'm he- I'm ready, Herr Führer, Don announced sullenly. Okay, let's go, Don, Buffy said, then turned to Spike. Thanks for keeping her safe. He nodded. Tell Joyce, Joyce I'll be by tomorrow to apologize. In the meantime, you might want to consider getting Kid Sis one of those cell phones. Buffy gave him a smirk, then put one hand on Don's shoulder and guided her out of the crypt. Or a pager, or maybe even a homing device, he called after they left after them as the door shut. Dawn giggled after they were out of the crypt. Homing device. But hey, the cell phone's a really good idea. Emily Branchard's got this totally cool one that's got an in-sync cover. I'll ask Mom about it, Buffy answered, marching them towards home. Really? Cool. In the meantime, Dawn, I think you ought to be more careful. We were really worried about you. I know, but I was with Spike. He said I could hang with him if I wanted. So he said. When did he tell you that? Buffy asked. Dawn grew quiet and subdued. The night he carried me home from the hospital after what had happened in the mental ward. Buffy frowned. Oh. Dawn kicked at a stick in her path. He said I could come to him if I ever needed to go somewhere to get away. I had a really bad day. Kirsty was being a total biatch again, and I just wanted somewhere to go. She perked up and smiled. Besides, I like hanging out with Spike. He's funny. Oh, and you should hear him read Shakespeare. He knows them by heart. Buffy paused and shook her head. Spike's right. You do have a crush on him. No, I don't. It's just he's got cool hair and he wears cool leather jackets and stuff. And he doesn't treat me like an alien, Dawn countered, flustered. He's over 120 years old and a vampire. Right, that's why you were with Angel for three years. Angel's different. He has a soul. Spike has a chip. Same diff. And even if I did have a crush, he wouldn't notice me in a million years, not with you around. 
What does that mean? Spike's totally into you. At her sister's stunned silence, Dawn pressed, Oh, come on. You didn't notice? Buffy, Spike's completely in love with you. Buffy's face fell, and she looked crushed. I know. Now it was Dawn's turn to look stunned. You know? Buffy nodded. I heard him and Mom talking about it. And then I asked Giles, and he admitted that loving me was one of the things that Spike had said under the truth spell. So what are you going to do? Buffy looked away. I don't know. Both Mom and Giles insist that Spike won't hurt me, or any of us. But I must admit I'm a little wigged, and I don't know what to do about it. Right now we need Spike's help with Glory, and I don't want to push him away, and part of me is kind of hoping that it'll blow over, and he'll go back to wanting me dead or something, she admitted. Dawn shook her head. Won't happen. Buffy sighed and ushered them along again. Then I'll just have to wait and see what he does, and deal with it when I have to. Dawn hurried to keep up. Do you think you could, you know, love him? Spike's a vampire, Dawn. He's a soulless killer. But he's different now. He's changed, and he has a chip. The chip just makes him a serial killer in prison. Besides, Spike said it himself. Vampires and slayers weren't meant to be together. I'll never love him, and he knows it. Buffy stopped and looked back at the now dark crypt. She stared at it for a moment before turning to the path her face pensive and somber. Let's go home, Dawn. Dawn remained silent as she and Buffy left the cemetery. Well, Jag. Yes. Another one in the books. How does it feel? It feels good, actually. Um, I think I'm getting into the groove of this more. Um, Certainly, uh, while while we were pre- preparing again, getting 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 ready, I had considerably less ang- anxiety. A little bit, that. little bit yeah. less. I mean, well, no, considerably less, but but I still had a little bit there. Um, I'm always going to get some some kind of state stained fright, I guess. I did. Um, I think um, I don't know. I think this has gone really really well, and I've had a good uh, time. And I'm not going to spend the evening beating beating myself up about oh I should have said this and I should have said said that and oh no I sounded stupid. Um, well, I, I don't think I'm gonna gonna do that, but no pro- promises, okay? <laughs> well, uh, no, no, no. It's been it's been a good time, man. I'm here regardless. Uh, we both hope you, uh, everyone listening, have a great week. Crazy times. Please remember to breathe. Relax, uh, try and find some joy for yourself in the madness. And if you're struggling Mm -hmm. or you want to just say hey or let us know how you became the beautiful bastion of fashion that we both know you are, um, leave us a comment uh, either on the YouTube channel uh, or shoot us an email at thepassionofthenerd.com. Excuse me, thepassionofthenerd at gmail.com. Yeah, um, we'll be active in the uh, comment sex section. So if you want to uh, interact with us and talk to us about anything, yeah, reach out. Um, yeah, crazy, crazy times in indeed. But to use a cliche saying, we're all in this t- together. Uh, that that might sound a little d- disingenuous, but it's true. Um, pretty pretty much everybody on on the planet right right now is going going through it and dealing with it the best that they uh, can. Just know that you're not alone, and it will get get better because it has to. Right. Like this, this too will, shall end. This too, it's 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 gonna be okay. It has to be. Yeah, 
This yeah. too shall uh, move on. This too shall pass is go. what I was thinking. <laughs> I brain, I got there in the end. <laughs> and so did we. Uh, see you in a week, everyone. Thank you so much. Thanks, friends. <laughs>